You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life, humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear Leader would want you to. Hey there, Liberty lovers. This is Mark Clare of the Lions of Liberty podcast, where we strive to bring you great conversations about the ideas of liberty three days a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check us out at lionsofliberty.com. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton. And if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow Podcast, striking the root every single episode. Hey, Liberty Rockers, this is Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Each week, I strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, economists, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check it out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com or find us on iTunes. Each show is action-packed, explicit, and a lot of fun. So join me at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com every week for the newest episode. Keep liberty alive and rock and roll. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe on Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and free stuff. This show is crowdsourced, so send us news with the hashtag WALnews or in our Facebook group and Discord channel. We're always taking your questions and comments via email at editor at wearelibertarians.com. Please be warned that this show is raw, unedited, and authentic, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, with me tonight are the boys from the Juice in the Morning podcast. Uh, James Neese should be along at any moment. Uh, he didn't know he was supposed to be on, so he's on his way. Uh so let's start with uh, Juice. Justin Juice Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. This song gets me freaking pumped. Like, I'm ready to go. Let's now, go. You're an actual listener to the podcast, oh, yeah. are you not? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, Shane Jones, how are you? Good, man. Glad to be here. Yes, you are his Harry. Uh, he, <laughs> he is the dear leader, and you are the Harry Shane. Yeah, uh, Harry and Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> and now these guys have had me on their podcast a couple times, and I figured it's only fair to have them on. They're local podcasters here in Indianapolis. What's your show about? Well, uh, we did talk about this uh-huh. after the last podcast, and I think the uh, rebranding is a uh, is a foot, and we are unpredictable talk radio for Indianapolis. Very cool, yeah. So yeah. these guys, very libertarian, curious. Oh yeah, but you you, don't, you say you don't know a lot. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> well, like you told us, we should start giving ourselves a little more credit than that. Yes. So I, maybe I'm maybe I do know some stuff. <laughs> maybe I do know some stuff. <laughs> 
Patreon subscribers heard the podcast to put it in the feed, but if you want to hear uh, me on their show, where do we find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere that you download podcasts. Um, Apple Podcasts is like obviously the biggest one with the fact of Apple kind of taking over the world, um, but you can find it anywhere you download your podcast. So uh, I think Potable just like added us. I actually just got us on um, Spotify as well, so right. people can stream it, and I know that people are doing that a lot more. Um, because a lot of people go to you and they, you tell them, like, yeah, I do a podcast. Well, what is a podcast? <laughs> that is getting better. <laughs> it is. It's, uh, it's getting a lot better. My only beef is that it's getting better because of the storytelling podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I actually asked, and, and if you agree, tweet at Apple Podcasts this. Can you make a storytelling section? Like, yeah. Make a category for storytelling. because for new, sure. Yeah, because then smaller podcasts like us will have a better chance of getting in the ratings. And it's just like... You go to news and politics and society and culture, it's nothing but true crime. Right. And true crime is like a huge thing right now. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're gaining so many listeners and so many, uh, I think, is it, uh, you know, housewives that just are plotting how to murder their husband? <laughs> they also yes. just found the Golden State Killers, supposedly. Yeah. Have you heard about that story? I actually watched it on ID, oh. like a true crime uh, <laughs> episode of, uh, you know, whatever. But yeah, I, 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 I watched the entire episode and it really bothered me for weeks. So I was like, man, like he didn't catch that guy and he really messed with some people and, and bothered some people's lives. And then, and then literally like two weeks later, I'm just watching the news and there he is. That's cool. And, and that was you, just on their last podcast as well. See, you solved the crime. I did. It you was did. me. It, it was, was you. It was my intuition. <laughs> I spent last summer. Summer solving the OJ uh, murders. Uh, I watched all the OJ programs on Netflix and Hulu, and I just couldn't get enough of it. And then I was like, maybe I should start watching uh, true crime shows. <laughs> it's like, no, I'll never watch anything other than that. Have you ever seen the HBO? Is it HBO True Crime? I don't know. It's actually, I have no idea. I stay true away crime, from right? True Crime. Oh, it's a show called True Crime, crime with uh, Woody, Woody Harrelson. Oh yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, and it's the very the first uh, season is really really good, right. and then the second season's okay. I didn't even no, watch that's that. True Detective. I think. True Detective. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But along Took the same lines of they spend years and years trying to find this killer, and it's it's interesting. So right, and it's it was insane what you were talking about the guy, like what he did to people. Like I was like I was blown away by that. Yeah, uh, what did I say? I forget. When the mics go off, I forget everything I said. It was like uh, him talking about making like breaking in. Tying up the like Kid. husband and, and the making kids. Him, and the kids and making him them watch him or listen to him rape the mother. Yeah, I think sometimes he would, he would take them to other rooms as the kids Lord. and whatnot. Um, and I think the first people he killed was just on the on the street. Oh my god! Yeah, with a gun. He was a real. He's a real crazy person. Really quick question then, though. Yeah, what's up? Have you ever have you ever like thought about what it would feel like to kill a person? Oh wow. <laughs> See, this I'm going is, deep. This is I'm going of, deep. This is, this is the kind of uh, show that they put on over there at. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can follow sorry, them sorry, sorry. on social media at Juice in the AM. <laughs> I appreciate it. See, I had to let them talk because I'm like getting attacked right now by allergies or something. As, as soon as we sat down in this chair, my face started swelling up. It was yep. like. Like I, it's like I'm allergic to my own cats all of a sudden. So I was like, why don't I'll, they're professional podcasters? And then all of a sudden, what do you what I'm do you think it would be bomb. like to kill people? <laughs> Not something that uh, we wouldn't entertain on this show. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's just something that you know, you, it's a question that, for example, everyone's like, for sure thought of it. Yeah, and like it it goes along the ways with uh, military a lot because like I have friends that have been in the military and like. You know, I I always wonder like, well, how would I react in a situation where 
I, it was either me or the other person. I think, and, right. and then instantly it would be the other person. That's I think with I me, it's uh, it's whether it was justified or not. Mm. I don't think I would have so much. I mean, I don't know because you don't know until you kill someone. But I think if if I just you know accidentally killed someone or something like that, it would really really bother me unless it was someone like a bad guy or justifiable. So Stone in the chat says thanks, Jordan Peterson, because I have had that thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now you guys are. Wh- where would you say you fall on the ideological spectrum? Let's start with you, Juice. I'm I'm very so when it comes to what benefits me the most, and I know that that's okay. I know that's selfish, but that's the way I feel politically. So I've never really taken a stance on Democratic, Republican, you know, any of those things because that was like the that's all I knew growing up was Democrat or Republican. I didn't know there was other parties. There was um, right. there was the independent, libertarian stuff like that. So I always I always looked at every opportunity like what's going to be benefit me immediately, and then I stopped paying attention to anything because I felt like all of the big things out there didn't affect me on an individual level. Yeah. So I was like, ah, I'm not even going to pay attention. I, I think that's very common. And I think saying, ah, I'm really just in it for me, yeah. I think is actually a uh, a very honest assessment of what 95% of people probably vote on. He's just willing to say it. And He's I'm just not, willing I'm not, to say I'm it. I'm not scared to like tell people that. Like, yeah. if, if it's going to benefit me, I don't really care what happens to other people. I, I'm sorry about that, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my close friends, yes, I feel very sure. strongly like I want them to do well, but... You know, if it's somebody in a completely different state, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, and I think that's part, like, we pretend to care. And I think that's what Republicans and Democrats do so well is they, they pretend to care to get elected, mm-hmm. but then they vote as if, I don't really care what happens to people. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Shane? Um, I don't know politically what I would say, but I think along the lines of uh, utilitarianism mm-hmm. um, and just, like, basically what's good for the, and almost the opposite of what he's saying <laughs> right. is, like, um, I think it should be decided, be decided in terms of like what's good for the most amount of people. I wouldn't say that I draw a hard line there and I follow that to a T, but I, I can get along with anyone that is, is uh, open to what's good for everybody. Right. So go ahead. And you're very right and wrong. I, I, very, I like, very strong I don't know. I just like to, my moral compass is based off of, or, you know, my anything I know about politics is based off of right and wrong. And when I, you know, I've been able to say right and wrong to both sides and I just kind of like, that's all I know. I, I, I base everything off of what I know best. And I know that I try to assess things and decide whether I think that they're wrong or right. Not that I have, you know, the, the holier than now opinion, but you know, I'm me. So I have to worry about what I think's wrong and right. So. so it's fair to say that Shane takes in information, evaluates it against his own personal morals and his value system. And and then acts accordingly at the ballot box, and very open to um, other criticize crit, crit, what is it? critiques critiques of what I what I've already decided that I think right. So if someone comes along and I'm willing for someone to change my mind, then I'm all ears to that. Where I feel like a lot of people are not, and they they're set in their ways, and they've decided that this is what I'm into, and that's it. And then juice, you're more like. Mm. Whatever benefits me, yeah. that's what I'm in yeah. in favor of. Tax I cuts, fine. He, you know what? I feel is like, he being outrageous? Is he trying to be? I don't think he's being outrageous, but I think that he's not being 100% sincere because as much as he likes to lead on, he, he does have a soul. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he does care about people. And I guarantee you, the moment this guy has a kid, it's going to change. Oh, yeah. Let's get, his whole life's going to be flipped upside down. Do you, upside have, down. do you have kids? I do. I have a daughter. Okay, yeah. I feel like that does change. Like when I'm a single guy... No kids. 
So I, I'm much more, I'm very selfish with my time and my stuff. Like, But I'm sure you do really start to think about society as a whole when you have a kid. Yeah, and you wor- I mean, you start to worry about things like climate and right. what, what, what the world is going to be like long after you are gone and you, your daughter or whoever is still living. Yeah. yeah, I do agree that that would probably change things a lot because right now when I think of like climate and things like that, I mean... When I'm, when I'm gone, it's not going to affect me anymore, so why do I really worry about the trash island in the middle of the ocean? Well, it's one of those things where <laughs> I learned today in my earth science class that 80 years from now, it's a possibility that you could drive an hour and be close to the beach because of the the rate of, um, you know, I don't want to call it global warming I because f- the whole globe is not warming, but parts of the I, I feel like that's one of those things that they say that they were saying in 1984. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the hockey's. It was already supposed to happen, according yeah, yeah, to Al right. Gore. And but we're obviously going to do things to to not let that happen. And we're not just going to like right. that's that's if we just said, well, I don't know what to do. Humans are a very crafty race, and yeah, like you yeah. watch you watch Vice on HBO, and you're just like. God, I'm so glad there are people in the world smarter than me that they are working on this problem because I just like, I know how to write fart jokes. <laughs> That's I, how I feel when we have you on the podcast. I'm like, man, I'm so glad this guy knows way more than I do because I, we'd be screwed. Yeah. So I wanted to have them on because I feel like they, uh, A, I, I think they're they're interesting and we have good conversations when I go on the show. And I thought it'd be interesting to have just a couple of dudes, random guys. Uh, you, How old are you guys? I'm 30. 28. 28. So, you know, right in our wheelhouse. But they're not inside of our own echo chamber. They're not, you know, they're not uh, screeching along with us reading Rothbard. And and so I wanted you guys to kind of prepare some things. Like, I have these questions about not just libertarianism, but politics in general. Right. Because I want to see what kind of questions you guys have because I want to know what regular people are thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think in answering some of that stuff, because you listen, yeah. Juice. And so you're just like I am listening, but like you're like you're uh, too ahead of me. Yeah, but which I d- which I don't want because I want to be able to have you listen to an episode and go, oh, I get it. I do like how how you guys do break it down to a level that like I I was getting emotionally involved with like the last episode, for example, right, with like, Alfie. Yeah, and with the um, and then when I was I was listening to that, and then you know a, a video from TMZ dropped of Kanye and like. He was explaining himself, and then they like went around the corner and was talking to one of the staffers because the staffers was like one of the staffers was going to lose his mind and was like you 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 just have been the the worst person by doing this. Uh-uh. And then he goes over and the the video is awesome because Kanye's kind of like saying a lot of stuff that I'm like, man, he's actually making some pretty good points at this at this guy right here. And I wish I could find the video for also- you real quick because it's it's great. Like I mean, it's it's thinking outside the box because. In my in my mind, let's do whatever we can to be different. I'm always I'm big on sports analogies. So the Colts have always been bad at defense and running the ball. Mm-hmm. I've said for probably 10, 15 years, why isn't there been somebody that just comes in and says, you know what, I'm going to change all of that. Like, right. I'm going to risk. I'm going to do a lot of bad things that people see in their mind. They're like, that's a terrible move. But it's because I want to change this thing mm-hmm. because I just want change. Right. And and he, I feel like with what he's saying, is either A, just trying to make people's heads explode, or he is actually trying to like change some kind of thinking. Yeah. So with Kanye, and we talked about it a little bit in the last episode, I think a lot of what he's doing, you can look at it cynically and you can say, yeah, the guy has an album coming out. And Absolutely. so what's the most countercultural thing that he can do if he's a Kardashian or Kanye West? 
which is a genius move come out as a christian conservative yeah you know who who's hanging out with glenn beck i mean that 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 makes people their mind blown but when you really start to hear him talk you go okay he's a lot of what he's saying and tweeting like you go okay yeah we need more love in the world yeah that's exactly what i said yeah we need more free thinkers like you don't have to vote for the same political party (laughs) that your parents voted for and so so i do agree with a lot of that i think that's He's right on. And so I do look at the Kanye West thing, and I'm hopeful because I think it's a really good cultural moment where you have somebody who can reach guys like yourself. Like, I think if if you and I, Juice, hadn't met, I don't know that you would have listened to the podcast or started listening because you're probably just like, eh, politics. Eh. Right. Uh, you know, but when Kanye West interrupts your space mm-hmm. and starts saying these things and you have to go, who's Candace Owens again? Uh, and and I think we kind of people who follow this stuff as closely as I do, as our listeners do, like we know who Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk is to some extent, but like everybody knows who Kanye West is, yeah. you know. And, and, and uh, I'm really bad at, at all of my news being the very surface level, like right. the stuff that's uh, the most popular thing is what I see. So what, what kind I, of news do you read? So. <laughs> I get my news from podcasts, so okay. stuff that I hear you talk about, stuff that I hear Adam Carolla talk about, and Adam Carolla is a, I feel like a very right wing guy. Mm-hmm. So I think that does meld my mind that way a little bit, even though maybe I don't agree with everything he says, but I still, since I listen to it every day, I think it kind of just like you start thinking that way. Right. I think the the people. So if you're a ten dollar a month Patreon subscriber and up, you can uh, watch the live streaming of, of the video and participate in the chat as it goes on. And I think they're trying to summon the NSA because I just see on the Mevo here, NSA keep popping up like they're chanting NSA. Uh, you actually use the Mevo, too. And so yeah. it's like it's it kind of pops up yeah, and you just it catches your eyes. <laughs> so so let's start with the first question or topic. Like, let's start with Shane. What What's like the first thing you're just sitting there thinking as you're going through the day going, I want to know more about this or I wish somebody could explain this to me like I'm a dummy. OK, so. Like I had said before, I, I'm in a philosophy class right now, and mm-hmm. a philosophy a lot of times can be right along with a lot of political things because mm-hmm. it's a way of living and a way of thinking and a way of doing things. And um, I just thought it was interesting that, um, you know, libertarianism is the idea of just kind of like less government mm-hmm. from what I've heard. And, you know, where is that line drawn between less government and anarchy? You know, so there's. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, we're going hot. We're going in hot, and I don't mean that in the sense where I, I think it's an, close to anarchy. I just know that less government means right. you know, the yeah. the smallest amount, or you know, compared to other facets. So I would say that the the closest thing, you know, down from that would be anarchism or anarchy. Yeah. So there's there's several different ways to look at this. So it is it is debated in libertarian circles. I've been in the middle of a debate. Uh, with a fellow podcaster, uh, Roger Paxton of the Lava Flow, and he doesn't think I'm a libertarian, and it's because I don't believe in anarchism. And mm-hmm. so his definition of anarchism is the non-aggression principle. Has, have either of you heard of the non-aggression principle? That's um, the the nap. You've, you've talked about it. Okay, I, you've I've only heard it, to it because of the you you've yeah. put yourself in the libertarian echo chamber. Yeah. So. The non-aggression principle is essentially uh, to, to boil it down to kindergarten terms: don't hit people, don't steal their stuff, don't you know? Oh don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, It's it's not using force to make political and social changes. Okay, so if I am using force against you, 
it is illegal for me to use force against you. It's not legal for me to walk up and steal your wallet, right? Because I'm stealing from you. It's not legal for me to murder you. It's not legal for me to defraud you. Uh, it doesn't make it less immoral when Juice and I vote ourselves a government of, of two and you're the odd man out and you're our subject, essentially, and we vote to take your wallet. That doesn't make it a more moral situation. Right. It's just a group of individuals have appointed themselves the force of a number of people to enact on a society. So uh, in, in Roger's definition, in an anarcho-capitalist society, uh, it is a libertarian is not someone who believes in any use of force in any way, shape, or form. So if you believe in any taxes, if you believe in any government uh, where people are not voluntarily opting into that system, then th then you're not a libertarian. But then that's the key word is voluntary. But, and voluntary is the key word to all libertarianism. I don't disagree with that sentiment, right? But that's a very, I don't want to say it's an extreme view because to me that th that explanation fits perfectly within not only my moral system, not only my values, but I think most people's. So I don't think that it is an extreme ideology I think society and government have gone to such an extreme place or have always been at such an extreme place that we're so used to government that the idea that each person is their own government, their own individual, is a, rad is a radical idea to, to groups. Uh, and Jonah Goldberg's new book really talks a lot about this and in the, in the development of human beings. It's, uh, it's man, I'm like into the only into the first chapter right. called suicide of the west and it is so good uh it's better than his last book which is one of my favorites called the tyranny of cliches and so so anarchism is is libertarianism okay it's just in a very pure form i guess is the way that we would phrase it because anarchists don't believe in using any force or having any government so, right. so what so what is life like for the average human, if there is, if it is anarchism, you, you this goes back to like a more is it like the strong basic, um, like the world is. I don't think so. No, I, if you look at the development of society, for instance, uh, human beings are pack animals. We grew, we grew as a species, tribal, yeah, uh, tribally, because you had to have packs, you had to have groups of people to survive. You couldn't be your own individual to survive. And I still, you know, 10,000 years is really the span of the current mind of the human being that exists today. That's the span of the history that we really, like, have written down and understand. 10,000 years is not long in evolutionary terms. So we still are the same creature that we were 10,000 years ago when we stepped off of the plains out of Africa and started migrating to different parts of the earth. Uh, and so we still have that tribal mindset. So that's why we still are attracted to concepts like nationalism and fascism and communism and and just community and, and by com itself community right. the idea that you that you spoke about earlier which is i want to use the government to uh i, I want to vote for the benefit of the community yeah. right now here's the problem with that when you start using the government to benefit the community there's always going to be individuals in that community who don't agree with your value system and so then they start getting uh, they start getting involved in politics to start fighting back. Like gay marriage is a great example. If you don't believe in gay marriage, 
you don't want to be forced to recognize or to have your money taken to support gay marriage. So you're going to get politically active. But if gay marriage is, is something that is incredibly important to you because you're a gay couple and you want all the equal rights that exist under the Constitution of the United States, you see them as the enemy. And so that's why we have a problem with tribalism. So, so there's varying degrees, in my opinion, of libertarians, okay? It's, so, so do you think there's good and bad to, be, to come from tribalism? Because uh, um, I feel like um, being having a tribal nature, people you know, flourish when they're in a community and mm-hmm. they flourish when they have purpose. Absolutely. And I feel like with tribalism, um, you know, that gives people that don't have any kind of purpose in their life and gives them a goal. And, and overall, they know that what they're doing is going to affect the, well, the entire community. Just break it down to the, the smallest aspect of that which is a family, a family of, you know, a mom and a dad and a kid. When you separate all whoa, of them. Whoa, 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 you're triggering me with your <laughs> patriarchal norms, okay? This, this was just, okay, it could be, it could be a dad could, and a dad and a kid. And a Z. Or it could be, could a, be a mom a and a mom oh, and a kid. It could be uh, a thousand different other combinations of that. Which is fine. Uh, it, yeah, so. But that's keeping them together. That's going to be a, a positive outcome usually for all of them. I, I don't know where Gold, Jonah Goldberg's going in his book, Suicide of the West, but everybody's talking a lot about tribalism as if somehow in the last three years since Trump got elected, we've slipped into tribalism. It does you know? seem like there's all kinds of books coming out either yes. for or against tribalism. Yeah, but in reality, we've always been that way, and I think we will always be that way to an extent. I think there, uh, it gives us, um, you know, I went through a divorce, and so I would go to support groups. Purpose, yeah. And, and you, you hear, oh, I'm not crazy because those people are going through the same thing yeah. I'm going through. And so when I look at when I look at black Americans, for instance, having a conversation that I don't understand, I'm okay with that because I understand that there is a a set of experiences that a person who is black in America goes through that the three of us do not go through. Can can Um, you can you admit that asking about that stuff, people get enraged about asking about it uh, it depends is, on how you which ask. i think is unfair yeah, yeah, yeah. no because i'll say that i've been in many situations where i just didn't understand something that was being that's said exactly but i asked and, and and nine times out of ten i've gotten as long as you, like you said you mm-hmm. ask correctly and you you know don't obviously say something stupid you can get a very honest and you know non um like they're not going to give you a hard time. Well, you guys know my personality, and I say a lot of stupid stuff. So that's usually I'm, probably why I'm getting that rage. I'll say the same there thing. Is. Oh, shit, dog. There it's it James is. Nice. <laughs> uh, your favorite candidate for Congress. Nice. Uh, James, uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing, son? Oh, man, you made it better. Yeah, no, we, we've upgraded. How long has it been since you've been here? A year? Mm, no, a couple months. Oh, okay. When were you here a couple months ago? Hmm... No, I think it was a is the 420 episode. I think it was when we talked about Hank Hill. Yeah, it was 420 mm-hmm. in in 2016. Yeah, it's been a it's been a minute, dog. So yeah, it's been a year. <laughs> uh, so we were just talking about tribalism and and human nature, but and we the, the so this is Juice. This is uh, how you doing today, Justin Kelly, yeah. and that's Shane who just went to the restroom, and uh, they're they're normies oh, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, why don't you come on and let's 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 have some discussions about things that you don't understand. And uh, let's have a discussion about it. So Shane went in hot and started asking, so is anarchism the same thing as libertarianism? And yeah, No, one's more autistic. <laughs> <laughs> and see, this is why it's great to have James here, because James hates anarchists. Yeah. 
now you you'd think James Neese would be an anarchist, but he's not. And so I said, you know, anarchism is probably the most pure form of libertarianism. Uh, and then we started talking a little bit about tribalism. But then, then there's people like myself who look at it and go, I understand that destination. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that destination. I agree with it. Uh, there are there are things like uh, centralizing force within the court system that I have a problem with anarchism, and I go, okay, we've got to have some level of force centralization because if you and I you murder him and then I call the cops and then you go, sorry, I don't recognize your cops because I don't have an agreement with with the uh, with the McRib. Uh, police department, uh, <laughs> uh, then then I think there's issues with that. Uh, but I don't spend a lot of time talking about that pure philosophy because I think that's so far removed from where we're at that I, I'm more of a directional libertarian as, a more, as opposed to a, a destination libertarian. So I, am talk, I, I spend most of my time talking about current events and saying, okay, Here's the libertarian opinion on X, okay? And then through that process, I'm going to move you further and further f- towards that destination. And so when you're talking about um, modern politics, you you look at it and go, okay, what can I convince you of, okay? The, the last best libertarian structure was the United States Constitution, and that is agreed upon by a lot of people. So let's talk about that and let's see if if let's understand the United States Constitution, the founding era, and use the reverence and the patriotism around that time to get you to understand these basic libertarian principles. And then you can work your way back over time, because once you get somebody down that rabbit hole, you don't even need to push them that far. They'll get there. Yeah. Uh, And. And so if I were to enumerate some basic principles of. A directional libertarian, it's individualism, which is the idea that everybody is an individual. You are your own self-government, that individual rights, that every person is born with inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. Spontaneous order, which is like, why do geese fly in a V? Nobody teaches the geese to fly in a V. Nature, people are just born with an inherent idea of how to stay safe, how to be prosperous, and and move in that direction. Instincts, maybe. So. Instinct, yeah. yeah. And limited government. So if we're going to have government, it needs to be very limited and and controlled. Uh, free markets. So the the idea that uh, there are basic economic laws, and those economic laws are like gravity. And if you try to interfere with gravity, you can you can try, but eventually your your structure is going to crumble over time. If you interfere with free markets, then you start causing bad outcomes. The virtue of production, basically uh, the importance of work, the importance of uh, producing stuff, and then the natural harmony of interests. You're a self-interested person. I'm a self-interested person. I want something out of our mutual friendship or relationship or business or whatever. Everybody has those self-interests. So how can you use that interest to build a society around uh, a harmonious because the idea of government using force to force Shane to do something is not a harmonious uh, relationship. Right. And then ultimately peace because war at the end of the day is the entryway for all of those other things to start being pulled away and violated. War is really the thing that like 
starts eroding rights. So now, how do you how do you feel about? So you were we were talking about the anarchism, and I feel like uh, the way you described it, it was almost like a an archaic way of thinking when it comes to liber- libertarianism. Correct? Like I, it's like I, a I, I would old say that way or no, I would say that the idea that we need to use force to have other people do things, or that we need to use force to um, that we need to use government. Like, to me, government is an outdated thing. The idea of electing a few to rule over the many is a very outdated mode of thinking. And to me, anarchism is the future. Mm-hmm. The idea, uh, the, the future is libertarian. If it's not anarchist, then it's at the very least libertarian according to those principles that, that I outlined. Uh, because technology is going to open things up in such a way that we cannot help but be self-governed and 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 uh all of those principles will automatically open up because the government won't be able to keep up with us so what's your ideal vision of what would happen what libertarianism could yeah. be what could it be um if if you were to say in a realistic future uh then it's it's impossible to say with uh, and and James is just sitting here waiting to tear me apart because he <laughs> he doesn't agree with any of this. I love it. Uh, but 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 I would definitely say that uh, if you had small communities and let's say I live in Southport right. and you you move into Southport, there's an agreement amongst the people within a determined boundary, and all of those people cooperate within those various boundaries, uh, and and. What you what you find under capitalism is that I don't wake up every day learning to grow bok choy. I don't give a shit about growing bok choy or making mevos or creating cat litter. But that's somebody else's passion, right? And so for every need, there is going to be a person who is filling that need. And the the need, the demand of an anarchist society that is prosperous, it's going to rapidly expand uh i'm trying to do a very complicated explanation of my cat won't get her asshole off i love it uh capitalism is going to fill that void it's going to allow everybody it's it's awesome because i feel like it's the exact same amount of time each time it is it's always like 20 minutes yeah so she's she has a thing where she wants to make sure that everybody understands that i am hers Okay, she wants everybody to know that I belong to mittens and you don't, and so she's going to put herself right between you and me. Yep. Uh, so everybody has a purpose. They they find their community. They set a, a, a set of rules that they abide by. Uh, they find purpose through the dignity of work. They f- fulfill their needs through uh, their family. They're not using the force of government to force their beliefs on anybody else because you found about, your own tribe. What about the things that people? I'm not I'm just being the devil's advocate mm-hmm. here. What about people? Things that people don't want to do, like what? I mean, you say that people want to make bok choy, but I don't know if that, that's a real thing. There are people right now who, because of their own economic interest, empty porta potties. Sure, right. they may not love to do it. But yeah. they empty porta potties because it needs to be done. That's almost. I mean, that's what we do now. Like right. People do jobs every day that they don't want to do. That's because we have a fairly capitalist system. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because you're you're going for everything that you can get before this is all done. And when you that's said what I'm doing. When you right. said small community, it just made me think of like city and state. 
uh, and in many ways in, in how I think it would shape out, that is what it would look like. Just on a smaller scale? It, just on a much smaller scale. Because even something like the city of Indianapolis with with a million people inside its jurisdictions, it's too big, it will fracture apart. I do agree that um, smaller, like, you know, basically mm-hmm. what you're saying is not such a bad thing where we have, like, instead of having um, city and state, you have, you know, more of a, a amount of people looking over city as in smaller groups, like you said, Southport or right. Greenwood. You have people actually, um, you know, I don't want to say micromanaging because that makes it, paints it in a bad picture, but, like, I don't necessarily think that's a, a horrible idea to have um, the problems of this smaller specific area be um, decided amongst a smaller area as opposed to, you know, right. I feel like we do it on a much larger scale now, even if we don't like to admit it. I mean, we, we really do, you know. A large group of aging people need to die out before that's even possible. Yes. Because they'll never yeah. relinquish their power on something. Oh, you just hit, you. Tr- James Neese and I are boomer haters from way back. <laughs> I have boomers where... Like one city Lebanon is trying to redo the sidewalks. Mm-hmm. So they're doing like a buy in program. Like the property owners pay part of it and the city pays part of it because they only have 10 people in the street department. So they can't do 100 miles of uh, sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you don't really need the, 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 uh, the street department, really, you can just contract it out to these concrete companies. They'll do it or whatever. Absolutely. And these boomers come in like, what's your beef with the street department? And I'm like, there's 10 of them. I guess, I, 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 I guess I guess they thought I had sour grapes. So I'm like, I'll do a turf war with the street department. Right. <laughs> you know, but I do agree that um, you see a lot of memes blaming everything on millennials, and I don't necessarily think that's the the fairest. Uh, hey, but assessment. see, we're already getting into a place where we're dividing each other, like we talked about before. Well, we don't want to. We, we already went to a place when we when we brought up baby boomers because that already divided them into a group. And, I'm not I'm one just, to advocate for genocides, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. James, uh, where did I go wrong? Where did where did I fall short in in my explanations there? Um, people are naturally contentious. And here, here's the problem with that is, like, if I have my nice little community and I'm saying, like, welcome to Southport, don't be a Mexican, don't come in. And <laughs> it's you're getting to a point where it's like, I can discriminate against you in my small community if, like, the majority of people want to be discriminated against. Mm-hmm. So you'll have an issue where uh, I think uh, African-Americans are 13% of the population, while everything else is like a much higher percentage. All the good stuff will be in certain situations. All the bad stuff will be in that community. You know, you're only 13% of the population. Your own business, your own towns are going to be much worse because you get a lot of little, like, micro-racist communities. And I'm not saying, like, everybody's racist, but they do exist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, you can just be blacklisted from these communities just by who you are, what you. I don't want Muslims. I don't want Somalis. I don't want Jews in my community. That happens. Right. Yeah, yeah I feel um, like if you give people a chance to divide... If you give people a chance to, to divide super quickly, I think that's my. I think you're exactly right. It's the way it's gonna go. If you if you decide to make smaller subgroups of of communities, people are automatically gonna say, "Well, we don't want this, and we don't want this," and then all those people that they don't want are gonna have so to. So, how is that any different than what we have now? It's, just right. on, a, it's just exactly. on a bigger. It's on a bigger scale. <laughs> right. It, it's on. A, it's on. I mean, our churches are segregated. Uh, my town is segregated. I mean, people self segregate into their own groups. I mean, because we are inherently tribal, and that's that's where a lot of people who argue for the state go wrong, is that they're like, well, this will happen, this will happen. It's like, well, it kind of already is going on. It's just worse and more pronounced because we're using the government to beat the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but continue, James. Like, 
Um, so how do you solve that problem? You don't. You just accept it as it is. Okay. Um, I'm not going to be welcomed into a an all Chinese community. I'm not Chinese. Just like the Chinese person is not going to be welcomed into like some Aryan white nationalist community because he's not an Aryan white nationalist. You just let them exist as they are. They're going to have to trade somehow. If these Chinese people own all the tomatoes and these white people really want this tomato sauce, they're going to have to trade with the Chinese. So they're going to bite the bullet. Um, and people aren't going to change their like what they want just because they don't want to get it from somebody that disagrees with them. Well, th- when you're hungry, you'll do a lot of things. That's what that I'm you, you know what I mean? Like, like you're going to go for what you want. That's why capitalism raises raises people out of raises people above their their natural inclinations because. I I need food and I need yeah. pencils and I need phones and I need you know and so even if I'm inherently a racist, you know a racist in the South is still going like I gotta go to Walmart, yeah. I gotta, you know, and I'll have a black cashier and I'll just deal with it because I gotta get my Walmart. You know, I so, feel like with me it's easy to point out what's uh, negative about the government we have now, and then for me and I'm I'm gonna call myself out almost as like. I'm not sure what to do to yeah. fix it all. I right. don't know what to, you know, what the right answer is, but I know that I see problems within our own government and you know, you know, you see the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, that kind of stuff and that's that's um you know, and things aren't being done done even for the middle class and I feel like that's frustrating to see, but also have no idea what to do about it. Right. You can look at the Greeks, the Greeks used to have city-states. There wasn't like just one giant country where it's like a a Greek Senate and a Greek president was just like, this is how it is in our Greek country. They're all little city-states, and they warred all the time. It was just like, well, I don't like Sparta. I don't like Athens. I don't like uh, Thermopylae. So we're going to constantly fuck with each other all the time. Um, you know, even going back to that community thing, Southport can say, I really don't like Homecroft because Homecroft is pretty much just the ghetto of Southport, you know? So they're going to go invade Homecroft. You right. know, what's to stop them from fucking over Homecroft? Okay, so what kind of world do you... I mean, and we're talking about utopian visions yeah. in, in a lot of ways. I think so, in, in some ways the, the future is very libertarian because of technology, but technology also could be used. It could go a whole different direction than I'm hopefully I'm hoping it goes. Do you just mean that by people are, are going to be capable of relying on themselves more? Yeah, I okay. think you look at the, the smartphone revolution. Like, you take something like Uber. Uber has decimated the cab business, and it's because it it, it it innovated so quickly that the government hasn't even had time to – like they're trying in New York now because there was another suicide. The Daily podcast is great. If I could do a podcast full-time, like I would do The Daily, uh, only for libertarians and not status. But uh, <laughs> so like – so they were talking to this cabbie, and you know they're, they're losing the price of their medallion and the state-monopolized medallion system of taxis. Uh, are basically causing all this economic strife amongst cab drivers who, you know, bought these medallions for $150,000. They got up to like a million dollars in value at one point. And then Uber came in and Lyft and completely decimated the value. And now it's like down to, in some cases, 50000 bucks for one of these medallions. And so there, the, the cab driver in the podcast was basically saying like, it's not fair. It's, I'm not mad at Uber. I'm not mad at the other drivers who drive for Uber. I'm mad at the city for having a monopoly, basically, on the service and creating an unfair competition. Now, his solution was to ban Uber and Lyft. Yeah. But instead of going, get rid of the government monopoly and let me just drive a taxi without being pigeonholed and, and beholden to, to your system. So, or, or pay me for the value of my medallion. That's rough for me because it's kind of like a weird, um, you know, like... 
things are going to become outdated eventually. Things are going right. to happen to where things change, and it's not fair for him to to say that, you know, let's get rid of Uber or ban Uber or Lyft just because, I mean, we can name hundreds of things that have eventually, right. you know, all the way down to the stuff. tape player, to the CD player, to the iP- or the iPad. To so the guy who made wagon wheels. Exactly. So, so, so yeah, because you in, the society innovates, and so when you look at the smartphone revolution, your life is more independent, better, you're more informed, you're more engaged in a lot of ways because of the smartphone revolution and because of social media. And it innovates so quickly that the government can't even get its pants on to like fix it. And so I think eventually it just becomes irrelevant and dies and it collapses under its own weight. 203030 we're facing insolvency because of our social programs and Medicaid, Medicare and Social Security and our pension the pensions in 2040 are going to be five times the current world economy in the major developed worlds. Pensions for for government employees who were given retirement and promised retirement and boomers are basically going to take five times our current economy out of, out of government pension plans. It's unsustainable. It's why the post office is insolvent pension plans. So, so I just think it's going to collapse under its own so weight and what comes out of that. Pensions are... Like from going to kill the world from taking money from <laughs> money that we don't have to give to them you're, for, you're, for their service. Right, you're a postal worker, and you've put thirty years in, and you've reached retirement age, and you're granted a pension at let's say half your salary. So we're giving you twenty five thousand dollars a year till you die, uh, and there's there's it, it, it's like uh, what was it? It was an extra four hundred and eighty million dollars. Every single day in new, it was some crazy like four hundred eighty million dollars in new pension demands. But basically, you have government politicians, usually Democrats, who are very favorable to unions, negotiating with public sector unions and putting a gun to the taxpayers' head, saying, "I want more, or we're going to strike." And so, Democratic politicians would say, "Okay," or Republicans would say, "Okay." Because the unions use the force of government to enrich themselves. So you're saying that like you want to um, not necessarily get rid of pensions, but just give them a certain amount of money as opposed to keep raising the amount it, they get in pension? Or because I, I don't know really what the opposite of you know I feel like someone that has worked their whole life in and in in doing a service deserves something at the end. But I don't think that you're saying that you're against that. I just I, think that you're saying that I think there's three ways to look at this, and I don't disagree with any of them, but. The first is the government that exists made a commitment, and you can't dishonor your commitment. But the second part is they're not going to financially be able to meet that commitment at a certain point. And number three, why do they get special treatment just because they were able to force the government to give them something that I don't have? Like, why is that fair? Yeah. It's it's so I'm sorry that it's not it's not fair that you got the pension in the first place out of my money. Yeah. You know, it's and so yeah, it's not fair that you're not going to get your pension, but it's not fair that you were promised it in the first place. I agree with that. And, and it's you, almost but I don't know what the alternative is right. as opposed to, you know, the there system, has to be some kind of service besides social security and in some in some cases that people are given money, you know, to the point where they're not able to work anymore. They have to be taken care of at some point. Well, I just don't know what the answer is like I said earlier. So right. most I, people don't even retire. Like uh, there's a, a postal worker in Lafayette, he's like 60. Like he should, he he should be able to retire. Um, he's been there for like forty years or something like that. But he keeps working solely because he can't afford like health insurance. Yeah, his pension won't cover it. Well, my dad's a perfect example of someone who could collect social security at this point, 
but he's 69 years old and he works almost, you know, 50 to 60, right. sometimes 70 hours a week driving a roll-off truck just so he can make up for that money that, you know, he's not going to get when he retires. Right. And, I mean, he wasn't offered a pension, but I, you know, I worry about my dad because, you know, when, once he does retire, I want to make sure that he has the amount of money that he needs to sustain life as long as he can. Well, and part of the problem is that the West looks at this as it's the individual's problem, as opposed to. <laughs> and I'm to, sorry that I was, I was getting ready to say that. Agree. I was getting ready to say like I feel like you're going after the stuff that you need to do for yourself and to promote, uh, not promote, invest your money in a intelligent way so that when you do retire, you don't have to worry well, about that, that stuff. But, then, but, but like you can't blame those people because they were promised trust, the pension. But you can't trust that that's going to always be agreed. Where it's but at. I'm just saying, like, I think that's what he was you, saying. I with, yeah. With it was it, it was irresponsible for a government to tell you you're going to get this when you retire when they knew damn well based on they based everything on projections. Okay, People are well, smart. There's we'll mathematicians. Have, we'll have more money in the future, so we're going to base these increases on projections. Yeah, you don't want to put all your you know whatever in one right. basket. Eggs or, in one yeah. basket. And so so everybody knew that it was insolvent, and the boomers. Like no offense, but your dad—they voted in these politicians that kept giving them those, those promises. They were lied to, and so this is the consequence of your actions of voting yeah. in politicians that aren't financially responsible. And but that doesn't make it any easier on the individual who's looking at retirement, going, "Well, shit, I—I I thought I was going to have this. I was promised this, and then the system took this away well, from I, me." I will say props to my dad because he continually—he he, could have retired a long time ago right. and just made off with less money, but he's, he's deciding to stick it out. And he, he realizes that no one's going to take care of him besides himself, like right. you guys were saying. And he's, you know, working those extra however many years so he can save money for his retirement. Right. So, right. And that yeah. might be um, a good outlook for people that are in that situation that relied their whole life on a pension and then they're not going to get it. Or- well, that's, that's why we need to look and be honest. At, 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 we need to look at millennials and be honest and say, you're not getting Social Security. And even if you do, it's going to be two thousand a month. And in when we're sixty-five, two thousand dollars a month is going to be nothing because they keep inflating the currency. So, but part of part of the problem with our, our current society is that we look at it as the individual as opposed to the immediate family, the community. I mean, when you look at Eastern society, for instance, they have a much more communal uh, outlook on life and. You know, you go to places in Japan where, like, these old people, they're, like, 83 having parties because they're 83 or 103, I mean. Like, so so part of it is our individualistic culture. Yeah. Uh, just because we are individuals, you do bear some responsibility to those around you. So even in a society with no government, you you it's you can be a selfish Ayn, Ayn Rand objectivist, but... You do bear some responsibility. You do have to be a moral actor. Well, all politics aside, I mean, when it comes to morals, don't you want to, you know, say that you took care of that person that raised you? And and that, I think that's what you're talking about yeah. when it comes to terms of community. When you have, and like, I, I think what you're talking about in Japan and whatnot is um, people get old and, and their kids or whoever takes care of them until yeah. they're, you know, they're gone or whatever. And I don't think that's such a, you know, that's, I think that's becoming more common though within the united states and i i think that's a good thing and uh, you know when that happens to my dad i plan on you know taking care of him or whatever yeah uh i don't want to get too far down the add rabbit hole because james was just torching anarchism and uh that's heresy so 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 where do you think we end up like i'm not going to ask you to to create your own utopian vision of what you think the world will be but like if you were to uh, like what's your version of libertarianism i guess 
it'd be more technocratic. Like I, I, I brought up a point before that you know, at least at least when I, during these rounds through all of these counties. You know, they talk about uh, James how much James Neese running for camp- Congress in District 4 as a Republican, vote in the primary for him. So they're talking about how much we spend, and like we, there's actually less staffers in D.C., and that's just because there's not enough influence in Congress anymore. There's not a whole bunch of need to spend that much money on staffers anymore because the the role's being minimized. Right. You see a, a never-growing executive, but you see a minimizing uh, legislature. So as you see that sort of happen, you're going to bounce into a, like a technocracy where things like— do I have to show up to the Capitol vote or can I just go to my VPN app and vote yes or no? Once you start getting to that point where government can just be sort of a application or a tunnel to get what your opinion is to somebody, you'll see a shift in how much enactment's going through and how much people get involved in the system because a lot of people just don't do it because the way we do it is sort of outdated. The way we, we govern's outdated. So I think when you go to a libertarian society, it's not so much as we're going to a... Uh, like a full-blown ANCAP society, but we're going to have a society that's based around more on technology, more on leisure. Some people call it gay space luxury communism, but that's the way you're going to hit it. <laughs> Is that real? Mm-hmm. If I Google gay space luxury... I'm going to Google that right when we're done. Luxury communism, that's a thing? Yeah. Well, we- James Neese, Republican for Congress, <laughs> believes in gay space luxury communism. Well, no. There's your headline. It's God, I hope you win. We, we have robots. We're getting more robots. We're getting more advanced. AI is getting more advanced. I mean... There's a lot of people that argue, like, my jobs, my jobs, my jobs, but the jobs they're arguing for are going to be invalidated. These are, like, factory workers. These are, like, your steel workers. All those things are becoming heavily automated. Like, it's to a point where you're defending a system that's an industrial age idea. We're not in the industrial age anymore. We're in the digital age. So as these people start to taper off and things are starting to be done by, like, one person at a computer programming things that go out to, like, 50, 60 robots, you're going to a point where, like, they're going to try... Well, let's try to get some sort of society where you can base merits on what you can do as opposed to what you can do for a company. Companies start to be decentralized into individual ownership and make an app, develop an app. People are like, you know, what do I do about my union? I don't get paid fair by my boss. And they'll go to like Wendy's and work like a nine-hour shift at Wendy's. I'm like, if you have 50 bucks, you can buy a computer and learn Java code or learn something and make applications pretty easy and sell. It's not that hard. They just don't put the effort to do it. So as those people become extinct, the people that are unwilling to do that, you're going to see a shift where we're all just individuals with tablets, phones, creating stuff, selling it out into the ether, waiting for people to buy it and sell. Okay. And so you think that that, I mean, is that sustainable as a, as a, as a long, I mean, we got 10 million people or 10 billion people on the planet creating apps? No, it's it's sustainable in a first world. It's not sustainable in a third world country. And the reason they just don't have the plant resources to do that, like I can't replicate all this technology in like Somalia for example I can't replicate it in India too well gotcha um, there's always going to be those countries the phones have to be made somewhere right yeah <laughs> someone has to do the, the, the mine the raw minerals have to mine all that stuff um, there's countries that do that because they're so lapsed behind uh, they get exploited so that's just how it goes I mean there's always <laughs> someone even in like the uh, the Judge Dredd series there's always the wasteland where they'll farm stuff and bring it to like Metropolis you know so so it's kind of the concept that the poor will always be with us. Um, you know, that, that there's no matter, there's there's not going to be a, a worldwide universal basic income. Everybody's making 30 grand. No, no Sounds fi- like there's Finland going to be no that. middle class at all. No, yeah. Finland tried that. They tried like a, a year experiment with the universal income and it did not work out at all. Um, and that's just because you're not at that point yet. You're not at a point where everything is completely automated, where you see like some matrix situation where, oh, we got the robots doing everything for us. 
100 years, 200 years, maybe. Not now. I don't think unless you completely change the wiring in humans' brains, are we ever going to get away from a there being a lower class and an upper class because we're always going for more. I mean, I'm, I've talked about it already, and I know I might get blasted for it, but like I'm, I'm going for everything I can in this world, and I'm going to try to get everything I can right. so that I can provide that to the rest of my you know, kids, family, whatever I can do. I'm doing that because I know I can do that. I have that ability to do that. Um, and if I, I mean, once again, I know you said I, 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 I do have a soul, but if I have to step on some people to get there, I'm not going to stop well, doing that. You've evolved past that anyway. If this were not 2018 and this were 1018, um, your way of going about that was go conquer somebody. Um, let's go slay this other tribe and I'm going to rape their women. Yeah. So you be, you've evolved beyond that. Mm-hmm. So you already evolved your way to thinking. Absolutely. You're, you're not a conqueror anymore. You're kind Another of reason existence. I think they'll always be like the lower class is because, you know, there's situational things where people are born into situational, you know, problems where it doesn't make it easy for them to succeed. And then there's people that are just plain lazy. Yeah. So you're always going to have both of those things, I feel like. Right. I genuinely think you'll have people Man. that just don't have the desire to put any effort in, and then you'll have those people that were born into situational, um, you know, things where they're not able to flourish in the world. I guess this is some white ass privilege, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, people don't do do not put in an effort. Like there's, uh, I, well, I, well, the perfect example was what I was going to say is you brought up the fact that. Um, you know, people could just go learn how to code or learn how to do simple, you know, computer strategies. But uh, this of- entire podcast, everything I do, I learned on YouTube videos. Right. I, I didn't go to college. I didn't graduate from college and I went for a history degree. I didn't, yep. you know, James got a philosophy degree. He, he didn't learn coding in college. Like formal education did nothing except for learning how to write and think differently in college a little bit. Do a lot of drugs. And <laughs> he did a lot of drugs. I have a, I have a question I want to ask about that later. But I do so, agree yeah. with what, what you were saying about people just need to put in a little more effort and kind of roll with the times as opposed to yeah. just being so set they, in their ways and deciding that they don't want to. Because it's easier if I use the government to get. What yeah. I want, or yeah. it's easier to complain that Until they things give aren't it to you're you. going going your right. way instead of going with the times and you know evolving with the times as opposed to right. just sitting there complaining about how things are. And, and that's part of what identity politics is about on on all sides, left, right, center, everywhere. Um, it, it, it is about I don't want to put in as much work. I'm disadvantaged because of this privileged group. I need to knock them down. I don't have a job because these Mexicans come across the border. I don't have a job because of white privilege. And so there are aspects of it that are good, that are relevant, that are things that we need to be cognizant of. And then there are abuses of the entire identitarian movement. Uh, so let's let's cut that off. All right. That's really good stuff. Uh, because I want to get to some other topics. Yeah. It's your turn, Juice. Yeah, what, the, what are some other things that you, you have questions about? Yeah, we talked off the mic um, about, uh, on on my previous podcast, we talked about drugs and yeah. you know, illegal substances. And I have a... Well, James, a, your man. I have, I have a viewpoint that everything should be legal because it'll weed out the people that can't handle it. And it will, you know, obviously there will be ways to sell it, ways to make money off of it. I know that... We're talking about libertarianism and taxes aren't the the anybody's friend, but right. you'll be able to tax it, make money off of it. Um, I just think that everything should be legal, and I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on 
just legalizing everything. On, on legalizing everything, I'm for it. Uh, there is a great article from the New York Times a few months ago called How to Win a War on Drugs. Uh, and it was a column about Portugal and how they've beaten the opioid epidemic by legalizing heroin. Uh, and people come out of the shadows. They leave black markets. We we love the Prohibition era because of the gangster, the Italian, the mobs yeah. and, the, and the movies and Boardwalk Empire. Uh, but when you really look at the economics, the economics of prohibition on alcohol are not that different than the prohibition on drugs. And so when you remove the prohibition, you remove a lot of the crime. Like who's who's bootlegging alcohol? Who's you know, it's become a perfectly legal, safe industry for people to enjoy. I don't drink. It's my personal choice. There's nobody forcing me to drink if I wanted to. I have no doubt that it would be safe and and easy. I know where to get it, uh, and it's my choice. You know, whereas you guys chose to bring alcohol <laughs> tonight into this uh, dry home, yeah. and no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you guys, it's a fine pilsner, by the way. <laughs> exactly, a nice Miller Lite, yeah. uh, and so. All six of the beers we brought, <laughs> right? But but because I drank uh, five of them. Yeah. But because you have a large supply of it, you don't abuse it. You don't go crazy with it because you're like, it, mentally you know, uh, yeah, I got, I can go get it because it's easy. Whereas with with illicit drugs, it becomes, it, it, the psychology of it changes within the user. Uh, not not the not. I don't mean in the terms of uh, uh, of it's a disease, addiction's a disease. I'm talking about just like the initial phases of I got to stockpile this, I got to use a lot of it. Uh, so that changes the idea that we lock drug addicts into prison where drugs are readily available. Let's stop and break that down. The prisons, the most secure places in our society, <laughs> drugs are easily available because people will always find a way to to get their vices, to get what they want, and they will devise new ways to get to get their uh, heroin, their lean. Well, there's even certain, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's certain places in the United States that give people heroin Mm -hmm. to uh, under, as long as it's under uh, supervised, supervised and people are watching, you're able to, you know, use heroin. Right. So that in itself to me is a problem, which people might see it. People might have someone close to them. That's a heroin act or something, but I much more get along with the fact, like, just make it all legal as opposed to, you know, you can go to this place and you can use as long as it's in a safe place, safe place, that kind of thing. So you, once you, once you make it legal, you bring people out of the shadows, you remove the black market, the products become safer because companies have a vested, jump on it. Companies have a vested interest in providing a safe product or else they risk losing their investment. Uh, Again, capitalism is great. And and you you have less of a problem because people are more willing to go get help because they're not going to get busted. And if taxpayers are going to pay for the war on drugs, why are we locking them in prisons? Why not going with the treatment first strategy? That's what Portugal did. They went with the treatment first as opposed to locking people up. Uh, so it's nothing about the way that we deal with drugs is rational in any way. Uh, libertarians love to say... I don't care what people do. I, I I'm not. I wouldn't do it. But everyone's free to do exactly what they want. There, there's truth to that. Should they? No. But you should have the freedom to do whatever you want. Uh, I think libertarians are a lot of uh, often afraid to go. You shouldn't do that. 
right. because they're afraid of being identified as like a social conservative or uh, I'm going to use the government to force you to do something as opposed to saying like drugs aren't that good for you. You really shouldn't do them for these reasons, uh, but you have the right to do them because yeah. you're, you're an individual who is self-governing yourself. If you choose to use marijuana or lean or any kind Cocaine. of illicit drugs, uh, I mean, <laughs> where do you come down on it, James? Um, I, I got into an argument with a dude on Facebook. I was posting in the group the, about meth. <laughs> so, um, it, it was somebody on the normal page, and then, like Bill Levin posted some article about meth, and Bill Levin's the, the Church of the Cannabis guy. But I pointed out that Bill Levin, if it's not talking about marijuana, it's always disparaging. It's always like, oh man, those meth addicts. I'm like, meth is relatively safe. Um, we put it in medications. Kids take it for ADHD all the time. The total number of meth overdoses was like three thousand something in a whole year. That's less than choking on hot dogs. Wow! <laughs> and in in the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like more than three thousand people choked on a hot dog and died. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I could so, totally believe that. So a lot of perverts <laughs> out there. When, That's when, when you when you hear like people say like, there's an opioid, really hungry people. There's an opioid epidemic. It's really not like there's like forty seven thousand people that died from like an op- an opioid crisis that they just died. Basically, it's basically spiked fentanyl that they end up doing. They just think they're doing heroin. It's actually fentanyl in the overdose. Yeah, the, someone said we have a fentanyl problem. We don't have a heroin problem yeah, but because it, people are are cutting fentanyl with heroin. It's only forty seven thousand. That's not an epidemic. An epidemic was like it would be something like in Hong Kong where like every other Chinese person was addicted to opium. Uh, that's an epidemic. Uh, the flu is an epidemic. Uh, a couple of people in your town dying over the course of 10 years from like a withdrawal or something. That's not an epidemic. So you hear them going on saying, we've got to solve this crisis. And it's, it's just a way for county prosecutors and county sheriffs and local police departments and mayors to prey on the panic in small towns. Like you, you'll hear small town people be like, oh, we didn't clean up these streets from all these drug dealers because these calls mischief. I live in a small town. I've barely seen any drug dealers on the street or uh, people running through houses ripping copper out the walls. Mm. But they give the impression like that happens all the time. Yeah, every day. And it doesn't. So it's a way it's people at the top are sending out this message that you have to deal with it because it gets tax money in. It gets budget for the sheriff's office. It gets budget for the prosecutor's office, which we love because it goes into pensions. It goes into pay scales. Yeah, back, that's full circle right, right there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when I see this stuff and people keep saying like, this panic thing is so dangerous you can't legalize it. It's like I look at the death total numbers. It's like if I'm more likely to choke on a hot dog than to overdose on methamphetamine or heroin or something else, then it's not that dangerous as you make it out to be. And it's a stigma just like how crack cocaine was a stigma for like black people. Meth is a stigma that somehow you're just this white trash dude banging your cousin and you're ripping shit out of my house. I do think there's it's a, it's a it's a weapon in tribalism is what, what well, yeah it's it's not it's not so much a divide and conquer, conquer it's just to keep small towns voting a certain way and voting tax increases because you don't want to get a tax increase for something so like we're building a new building we need a tax increase because you get all these Republicans and some Democrats going I don't want you to raise my taxes. But when you say, I'm going to do a tax increase for the sheriff department because all these crazy heroin addicts are running around, like, raping and killing people and eating babies, boom, you get twice the amount of tax you wanted to get through. So they've been pushing this for a while, and you keep hearing it all the time. And even normal, like the, the, the marijuana organization here in Indiana, doesn't fully back full legalization because there's people in normal 
that want marijuana legalized, but they don't want other stuff legalized because they're on an ivory tower. And I pointed out that you're on an ivory tower because you smoke pot and you call pot medication that somehow other drug dealers are less than you or drug users are less than you. So while you're up there smoking a pound of weed a day, you're sitting there saying that guy over there who's smoking a bit of crack cocaine, like that dude's like a terrible person and stuff like that. I'm like, you're on a pedestal, dude. Like you're smoking a pound of marijuana a day, not working, not doing shit, but playing Overwatch. Mm. And you're sitting there saying this guy smokes crack once or twice is a danger to the community. I'm like, you're a danger to the community because you're probably on welfare for doing that because you're not working because you're smoking a pound of weed a day. But just playing devil's advocate, what is, back to the heroin epidemic, what is the the cause of, I mean, what, what what's there to be said about the use of clean needles and the spread of HIV and that kind of stuff when it comes to the you know using heroin? I, I mean, if you look at in terms of should clean needles be provided? No, uh, not necessarily that, but just the 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 play that it has within the the hair. I mean, it it adds to the you know disease and death toll of people with that use heroin. That's uh, all I'm saying, and I'm only yeah, only yeah, playing yeah. devil's advocate. Yeah, so. you go listen to the embedded podcast. It's like their first one about uh, here in Indiana, a small Scott County, where Mike Pence got rid of the needle exchange program because of his Christian conservative quote unquote values. Uh, oh, that's not fair. He is a Christian. He is a conservative, which is why he's wrong on this issue, uh, because they feel that I, I I can't have again going back to it. I'm not going to use my uh, my belief shouldn't pay for this X, Y and Z. Right. Mm-hmm. And so because the government has had a monopoly on drug treatment programs, when the funding is withdrawn from that drug treatment program in a place like Scott County, you end up with people picking up needles off the ground that have been used probably four times or they're all sharing this tiny little, you know, it it creates a worse problem. And so government ends up creating more of a problem had capitalism been able to meet the demand in the first place. And so in Scott County, you you had the withdrawal of the treatment uh, centers and then you had this massive HIV spike. And this embedded episode walks you through it. It's really a, a... a, a, an amazing episode but yeah that's another example of where government it, 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 it it's it's subject subject to change based on who's in power and that's part of the problem whereas capitalism is consistent if cap, if there were money in treating people then there would be a, as many treatment centers as there are drug dealers well that's what they but, I mean California is the uh, state that they are opening a center where People can come in and they can use their their drugs in a supervised area, mm-hmm. so that nurses are there. And um, one of the things that I I thought immediately when I heard this on the news was, how are they going to pay for all this? Like, what are right? What wh- where is the money coming from? Because that's my first thought, and I'm a conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. If people want to listen to my podcast or our podcast, they'll get it a lot. Where we will. My first thought is. What's the what's behind the what's behind the curtain on this? Right, because Melissa? because there's <laughs> there's always got to there's got to be some sort of money or some sort of gain by doing something. It's not all nobody is doing something out of the kindness of their heart in my mind, almost ever. Also, the problem that I'm seeing is like I understand that like I agree with you when you said that um, there's probably a guy smoking a pound of weed and on welfare on welfare and does not have a job but then there's also you know heroin addicts out there that don't 
do much of anything themselves either. And I just see, you know, both as a problem for sure. I mean, I don't sit in my mind. I don't see marijuana necessarily as this, you know, horrible, horrible thing. Right. But when you can use any, you, anything can be bad with doing it too much. Any substance. And in the case that, that you're talking you. about, you're talking about someone that smokes a pound a day and doesn't have any goals and doesn't contribute to anything. And I felt, I feel like that same thing falls along the lines of people well, that there's, there's people that do heroin that work all the time. Sure, the the yeah. problem is, is like you're on the cusp of getting marijuana legalized in yeah. more states. So marijuana advocates don't want to associate with other types of drugs because they're on a further schedule on the, like the list. Sure. So when you, when you deal with that guy that smokes the pound of weed and he calls out other people that do heroin, that do crack, that do cocaine, that He's do a hypocrite, ecstasy, for sure. He's just afraid that my drug's legalized because it's now quote unquote medication. And if I start referring it to a drug again, I'm going to lose all my stance on what I'm trying to do, which right. that's probably rightfully so because there is a negative connotation when you talk about harder drugs than marijuana. Marijuana is just marijuana. Uh, harder drugs are not. But even though harder drugs, there's not really that much of a difference. I've known people that are heroin addicts that go to work every day. Yeah. And I've known stoners who flunked out of college three times. And it's an addiction. You say it's an addiction issue. I knew a kid that played World of Warcraft so much in high school, he didn't even get a high school diploma. Like, mm -hmm. kid literally played video games until he flunked out of high school. It's not, it's a, that's a behavior issue that's in the, the neurological pathways that I got to keep doing something until I can't do it anymore. So, when, when I hear all the stuff, all the, the epidemic things, and I hear people kind of bashing other drugs, it's not that big of an issue. Especially when you know that these people will pay $5,000 to go on a cruise to South America to do Yakuza so they can do, like, you know, LSD flashbacks for themselves. The ayahuasca? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ugh. We talked about that on the last podcast yeah. uh, on mine, too. Like, it was crazy. They're, they're okay with that because it, it's quote-unquote natural, and they say, well, these other drugs are chemicals. Well, all chemicals are are things from the earth that have been synthesized or put together to, like, opium. Like, uh, is it a chemical? No, it's a plant. Everything's a plant. Everything starts from a plant, starts from like minerals, starts from like elements that kind of compounded together. Everything's from the earth. So the argument's so silly. Yep. Um, you know, I, I just don't like the hypocrisy of it. And people that have this panic that somehow drug dealers are just running through their town shooting people or that drug addicts are kind of robbing them blind. I mean, there are people in town that do do that, but it's so rare. Pick up, pick you up said any, doo doo. <laughs> but pick up any small town newspaper. You know what the major charge in small towns are? DUI. DUI, public in talks, battery. Basically, yeah. people getting drunk, fighting yeah. their wife. That's the biggest issue. I right. think I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Legalize all of it. All right. So let's move on to the to the next question. What do you, What do you guys got? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, we did talk about it off off the mic as well. Oh, yeah. The uh, cultural appropriation, the uh, the story that went rampant of the girl that went to prom and uh, wore a Asian inspired dress, and people lost their minds over it. Yeah, we we talked a little bit about this. I think the idea of cultural appropriation and and the knee jerk reaction is just that. Like, I think I think it stems from people not. Like, and I do this all the time too, so I'm totally guilty of it. It's like you see something, your brain has a thought, you better type it out and hit send. <laughs> you want to be the first one? It, it, right. And, and well, you just, you know, it's, it, she's wearing fashion, but right. so is he. His political opinion is fashion. Right. And so many people these days wear their political opinion like they wear Ray-Bans or Dior or Louis Vuitton. Because it's it's a status symbol. Like I'm in the hip crowd. I'm I'm liberal like you. I'm showing how woke I am, 
and it's fashion. It's not backed by rational thought or hours of research. I mean, there are a lot of people, and when you see those people, you go, wow, they really do their homework, as opposed to, like, this guy where he just looks and, like, I'm going to tweet this because it, 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 A, no one's ever offended. Mm -hmm. Offended is an emotion. You have never had, you've never been offended. You have been angry. You have been stunned or shocked. You have... You have never had the emotion of offended. I like I like that definition. You know, right and there. and so it's just a made up thing. Uh, I I understand, and and I can't identify, but I understand the sensitivities of minority cultures in this country and the generations of exploitation that you know, like we were just talking about. That's why that's why communism grew is because capitalism. Or baby mercantilism basically exploited these countries, and now they're fighting back. But here's a dude who's in L.A. who's probably you know making 150 grand, mm -hmm. screaming, uh, "I'm being exploited! You're you're uh, appropriating my culture." It's I don't know. It's just it, I, he doesn't have a lot of credibility with me, and I think that if he had, uh, you know, and this girl. Kudos to her for not apologizing, right? Because and she just like embraced it. Because the intent is behind it too. Yeah. She's it's like the dude who asked his girlfriend out to prom with like some racist sign. <laughs> he wanted to go viral and it's because he was just being a, his intent was to be racist. Right. And so intent matters. This girl, I don't think intended to. And she said, I didn't intend to be offensive. Mm. Well, she was pretty thick. So people forgave her for that. But <laughs> honestly, it's here's the thing. It's like they say it's a minority culture. Well, you're appropriating a minority culture. But like you're she's appropriating the Chinese. There's five Chinese citizens to every United States, every white person, technically. And, like, they're a majority culture. Mm -hmm. So how, how are you appropriating a minority culture in this case when it's the outnumber you to such an extent? <laughs> Even China didn't care about it. Like, China has other things to worry about, other things to care about than some prom uh, student. And even then, if you want to go further... Will these people be going to every karate, aikido, judo studio and start calling out cultural appropriation <laughs> with people wearing geese? I mean, should we be doing karate and like dungarees and like Reebok shoes? Is that what we should be doing to some like New Balances? Right. Is that the white shoe these days? Exactly. Oh, and and what I said, and I might get killed for this as well, um, because I have a lot of I feel like uh, controversial views. Uh, I think that. A lot of people left their area to get to this area. So in my mind, they're leaving something that they didn't think was as good as this area. It's called migration. Yeah, I understand that. I'm just saying they're 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 leaving. Yeah. They're they're leaving yeah. what Immig they're they're going Immig right immigration immigration. Right. They're going for something. Migrate. They're going right. for something better. So what what's the problem with somebody? taking on part of your culture because you came here, Hey, we're, we're a melting pot. So if I see that somebody has something cool that I think is cool and it's going to benefit me once again, I'm going to, I'm going to take on that. I'm going to take on that culture. Somebody in that culture thought that they would make a pattern out of that and sell that. Yeah. So it's, it, she's just a consumer who bought something that someone from that culture was selling in the first place. See, you're so great because you say what I'm thinking in a more intelligent <laughs> way. I like it. We need somebody like that on the podcast. Yeah. Actually, no, that's Shane. Never mind. I don't know. Usually you're the one I'm saying stuff and you're making it better. <laughs> I just think it's funny when you're like, yeah, migration. <laughs> migration is within the, is that, and then immigration is from a, like a different continent or e, what? E-immigrate is to a country. I-immigrate is 
Uh, no, I'm, I'm your immigrate area. is leaving a country. Immigrate with an I is coming to the country. There's a lot of people that have immigrated a lot of the time. There's a certain group of people that have been immigrated out of 108 countries. So what's migrate then? Migrate is moving from one area. Migrate to the is other. just so the if someone came from Mexico and came to the United States, that wouldn't. It is appropriate to say that they migrated <laughs> because it's the overarching term. Okay, immigrate and so immigration. Okay. So you're saying I'm not wrong? No, you weren't. You weren't wrong at all. I was just I was piling on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were piling on me. I was no, like, no, 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 no. I pile sound on stupid, to me. And, then I, and then you were like, no, 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 actually, you sound stupid. <laughs> no, I was piling on him. Okay, I was yeah. I was trying to help you because right, you guys was, are good. I was just interrupting him, going no, 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 because he started this thing again. And I'm just like, I just thought it was like, in my mind, it was funny that he just said, when people are in one place and they go to another place, that just made me think like, you know, like he could have used the word in there and you're always giving me a hard time for words. So I was like, why not help him out a little bit? Yeah. I was trying to think of the thing that I actually wrote on a Facebook post that was a lot more eloquent and I didn't do a great job of recreating it. You sent it to me. That's fine. I think my reaction to the story was like super hippie sounding i was just like dude we're all from earth we're all from this planet um i don't know why we have to fight over it's not true there are reptilians okay all right i agree with that as well all i'm saying is that um you know instead of it just gives people cultural appropriation to me makes it sound like we're just another reason to argue about stuff that really you know is not on the the higher end of things that we should be arguing about and if this chick wants to wear some you know chick yeah. <laughs> Did you just assume her gender? <laughs> oh, how goodness. dare you? Oh, how... Yeah, but that see, that's like it's never ending. That it's these kind of people will never be satisfied because it's it, it isn't about cultural appropriation. It isn't even about racism because he's being he's he's using r- the concept of race to to justify his point. She's not she's not Chinese. Uh she she may be Hispanic or she's she's from out of town. Um, but but you know like but he's still like like he's still like using my type my type is vaguely (laughs) ethnic like the uh, hint of ethnicity in you hannah simone from uh new girl i don't know where she's from but oh yeah i'm a fan um what's her name in the show cc cc yeah oh yeah but the point is is it's thought control that's really what it's about is this person is not doing what I want, and so I'm going to publicly shame them to do what I want. And you're not using the force of government, but you're still using the force of shame to change someone's political persuasion. I, I don't know what what point you're even trying to make, like because it's again, just like, that dress is mass produced. I had a cousin that came over here from Germany, and he, I first time he I immigrated. Yes. First time I ever met him, he was wearing a Tupac shirt. I'm just yep. like, cool, awesome, let's <laughs> right. be friends. Instead, I, I could have been like, that's not, you know, right. you know, who cares? B- black culture has infiltrated the millennial and the Gen, Gen Z generation. And it is, it is uh, to me, it shouldn't be offensive. To me, it should be... Um, it should be welcomed because it's a it's an opportunity for understanding and it isn't uh it, it's not mocking people like Eminem is not mocking anybody Why like should Eminem's the, generally the from spread it. of culture be a negative thing exactly so like That's what I, don't, I was trying to get at do you and... think that girl was wearing that to be mean or hateful right. to anyone no so it's all based off of like 
you know, her intent. Was, did she, was she trying to be hurtful to people? No, she was just trying to wear something that she thought was cool and it should be almost celebrated because it was a spread of another, you know, culture. Do you also notice that uh, nobody's safe on the internet because everybody started diving into this guy's past and found all the racist things that he said <laughs> on said on Twitter? She bla- she put him on blast. Oh, yeah. She retweeted it. It was oh, very yeah. funny. And I think that, I think that man, I just don't. That's I, called karma. I want to get famous, but I just can't wait until people just start bringing up all the ridiculous oh, stuff I've said in the past because no. it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm thinking about deleting all 22,000 <laughs> of my tweets because it's not worth it. It's not worth it to to have that stuff out there. It's going to be like 300 sound bites of you just saying some super like bad <laughs> racist stuff or I, something. I don't know what I said in 2009 on Twitter. Exactly. Tw- 22,000 tweets and then somebody downloads them and starts sorting through them. And it's like, well, I've changed. They can search a- by keyword. Right. Like I like we change as people and we become like I was super I wasn't homophobic because homophobic is not the right word because you're not. Af- I wasn't afraid of gays, but I was not sensitive to to gays or gay culture. I had a friend who was in the closet who was in our friend circle, and I didn't know that he was gay. And I I apologized to him two years ago because I was like, I wish he had said something because we wouldn't because it would have been better for us to understand what you deal with, what you go through. Instead of like hating us for, I mean, he must have hated us because we said the f word all the time. Well, on our you know? podcast, it's just like I feel like I say um, our intentions are super important, dude. Like, right. I mean, I'm one of those people. If I can tell your intentions, like people slip up and say things that don't necessarily sound, you know, correct. But I think if you just see that their intentions were not to be hateful or mean of or anything, course. then you just let it slide, man. Like. You, you really, and like I do a lot of um, interactions with the public on social media and in vi- and shooting videos and stuff at work. You realize most people genuinely just want to be nice. They're nice people. They just want to get along. And there's James Neese. If they dug through my past and they'll be like, so on June 11th, 2016, you replied to this guy, we was Kangs and shit. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> I'm like, well... You raw dogged a girl under a bridge after diving in some uh, dumpsters for food. Wow. Like you, you got to own your past. Like a lot of people are just like, well, you said some like crazy anti-Semitic things. Like, is that a Hitler meme? Like, did you post a space on a Mountain Dew can? And I'm like, you know what? I, w- I was I was in a shit posting group. We had like twenty thousand members. You don't have to explain yourself. <laughs> Listen, post. I I am not racist. But racial humor is kind of funny. Look, I know it's bad, right? I'm no, not, it's always I'm not going to agree to that. It's always funny, of course. Not because the- I don't agree, but because <laughs> I'm not going to agree. I know. Like Huff Post literally took the group I was in, the Dank Meme Stash. Like they posted and be like, "Look at all these men, all this racist and sexist shit they, they post there." And I was like, "Oh shit, I was a moderator of that group." It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, a yeah, the HuffPo writer. She mm-hmm. was like, it, it, "Because you and your little friends posted a picture of her smash or nah." Yeah. And then she wrote a big long article about it. And then after, when the article was posted in the group, then they started threatening her with death and and horribly abusive things. And so then she wrote an article about that and about how she was harassed online. I, I definitely see her point. Well, it's uh, welcome to the Internet. You know, it's right. like this has been going on ever since Usenet groups when there used to be these little sub forms where you can comment and there was no pictures. There was just these texts. People have been trolling each other. Like, I got my computer, I, like I posted in the group, when I was 13 years old, I had net zero dial up 56K. Within 20 minutes, 20 minutes of being logged on the internet, 
I was already trolling somebody and calling them a faggot. You know, it's just like 20 minutes. That, that, that is the essence of the internet. What people don't understand is when you're on the internet and you're anonymous and you, you can take off the mask of like when you see people face to face, you're usually trying to be nice because there's always a threat of like this guy might punch my face if I say some really, really, really crazy shit. When you're not on not in face to face with public or you're not sitting there talking to people, you know, you're a little bit more chaotic. You know, you're going to say stuff and you're going to post things that are offensive. Sometimes you're going to post things that are way out of line. You're going to say stuff that's really aggressive, but you don't have the threat of like, I might actually see him cry or he might actually hit me. And you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to get a fist through that screen and hit you in the face. I think that'd be good though. I mean, I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, James, but I feel like that behavior in particular, it's more about exercising whatever is inside of you in uh it's like i've got some rage i'm gonna take it out on this stranger because i can't take it out on the people in my life that i I love i I don't think it's that i think that when you have a cloak of anonymity and you're basically saying like well i'm just this faceless blob in this sea of billions of other faceless blobs you have to have some way to stick out like normal rational arguments don't make you stick out they don't Mm. aggressive attention-seeking behavior makes you stand out yeah and what better to seek Juice. attention yeah <laughs> what what better way to seek attention than to go to like say a, a holocaust memorial website and start posting hitler memes oh you're going to get a lot of attention because now right. you're being an asshole and assholes get a lot of attention so you know yeah. when i play video games right i'm 30 years old and i'm logged on the computer the loudest people and the people that say like the stupidest shit tend to be 16 to 21 year old males and that makes sense because when you're that age of like growing up and it's all about who can pay attention to me. Let me be loud. Let me be aggressive. I need more attention. I need you to argue with me. Argue with me to validate me. We're kind of like when we're that age, we're chimps. Oh, like yeah. We're, <laughs> we're total chimps when we're. That's the bulk yeah. of people. You don't I probably, realize I probably that, still am a little bit. You don't realize at that point in your life that like there's no point in getting in having this argument. Right. Like now I'll see something on Facebook or say even an anonymous chat group or whatever and i'll just be like no it's not worth it it's not it's a waste of time it's like you're right you have to validate yourself by saying the craziest thing or like if i say something halfway normal no one's gonna say shit back to me right so when 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 people say like i see all this like racist stuff on the internet and it's like to me it's like it's not really racism it's racist in, in context but you're you're probably seeing this stuff being channeled out through some 16-year-old on Xbox Live that's just trying to seek as much attention as possible. The best attention is always negative attention because that's what you crave. That's what you need. You need, you need the arguments. You need to feel like you're winning at something. Right. If I'm arguing with somebody and they block me or they, they log off or something, I'm winning. So when you get that little tinge in the back of your mind, like that, 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 uh, Endrophins that keep pumping out and say, oh, I'm winning. My heart's racing. I'm arguing with the guy on the internet. I'm winning. This guy's getting mad. He's cursing at me. It's great. I'm laughing about it. You get that sort of like reinforcement that, oh, I I keep doing this all day, every day. So they do it all day, every day. They start posting stuff in multiple groups, arguing, trolling. The whole essence of trolling is to get a spike of attention so you can feel better about yourself by arguing with people on the internet. That's that's the only reason trolls do that. I also think it's fair to say that like older people like on Facebook and stuff, are the most opinionated people. Like Randy? I don't know. Uh, it's not Randy from South Park. Uh, oh, it is. It is. It, but he was more on the troll side. But you're right. It oh, is. Yeah, yeah. It's like boomers don't know the the rules. Gerald. So they just say, right. they see something that they don't agree with and they just go ham at it because it's like, <laughs> it's like if my mom were to see someone say something mean about me on Facebook, she would go crazy on them. Right. 
And in my head, I'm like, don't worry about it. This is like an everyday occurrence right. and not a big deal. But she would, because she doesn't, like you said, understand like the, the social context. My or- mom hated the memes that Greg and James and Aaron always did about me because they were like, oh, she's like, it's mean. I'm like, it's funny. Yeah. Like, we'll, well laugh. Well, bottom line, I feel like if anything, no matter how inherently racist or sexist or whatever it is, if it's funny, People will get away with it. Yeah. Right. If, if it's truly, truly funny, like hilarious feel like funny, with, you're going to get away with, with it, old, no matter what. With old people, it's, it's just like the one-liners. Like, it'll be some story about a you know homeless man. They'll just be like, get a job. It'll just be something. <laughs> they don't have like a lot of, you know, us when we go. No when filter. We, when we really go on on people, we, we had this big, long thing typed out. <laughs> and then old people are just like these little one-liners. You'll like, learn when you get older. I'm paying your taxes or something <laughs> crazy, you know, like. You know what you really can't get away with on the internet, though? You could be mean. You could be racist. You could be sexist. As much as you want, you could probably can get away with it. But if you're creepy, right? Yeah. Ooh, good. Yeah. If you're good creepy, call. if you're like certain vice chairs in certain organizations and you say some really creepy stuff, like, <laughs> you know, you're uh, talking a little bit down. People was, are going to find out about it. He aimed for the sta- for the bleachers on that one. Uh, so Straight dunk. Half court. So I want to give James some time before we we start wrapping this up, uh, and thank you guys for being here. I know you no, guys, thank you. you. You guys do a shorter show. Uh, we 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 go as you said, ham on it. Uh, we go long. Uh, so, but I don't want to keep you here all night. And uh, it's been fun. Really good questions and good discussion. So yeah. thank you both for being here. Um, but now you get you get the opportunity mm. to talk to uh, the next congressman from Indiana in District Four, James Neese. Um, so feel free to ask him any questions, but James, I want to know what has the boomer reaction been to, as you go to these Republican meetings that I used to go to, I, it's nothing but like, it's boomer hell, man. Like you have no idea. So how do they react to you, James? I have a lot of the, like my page, but there's a lot of, I don't like to judge the metrics based on likes on Facebook. And the reason I do that is because you can pay like 20 grand and get like hundreds yep. of thousands of likes, right? So I don't judge it by that. People just like anything they see. Um, when I go to these events like in Fountain County or I go to Cass County or Carroll County, uh, I give my whole speech. You know, this is, uh, we need constitutional government. We need to get rid of this, to get rid of this, get rid of this. I don't mention Trump. I don't mention, I'm not like uh, everything you can see now in Indiana, like how hard I can dick ride a president. Right. I just speak like, you know, the role of Congress is this. This is what you should do. This is what they're not doing. Uh, I get a lot of feedback from 35 to 55-year-old uh, constituents that are basically, oh, yeah, I worked on the Ron Paul campaign, or, yeah, I, I voted for Gary Johnson. Uh, I get a lot of feedback from them. There's there's some boomers that didn't like my thing, like, well, I'll, I'll, in, uh, I'll in Social Security and refund you your money. Well, that's the most logical thing, right? Right. Uh, there's some that don't like me. There's some that, that do. Uh, but the feedback's been, because I haven't been doing that message of, I'm a businessman or I'm going to tow this agenda for this executive branch that might not even be there in two years anyway. Right. Um, I'm sitting there grabbing people's attention that read beyond the pale. So, you know, as I go into this election cycle on May 8th, there was like 15,000 people that voted for Steve Mayoras in Con- Congressional District 4, the Libertarian candidate. And people are like, well, that's just people voting. Like, no, like the people that voted for Steve aren't just Libertarians. There's not 15,000 Libertarians in CD4 that are in the party roles. We, right. We all, we all know that. Um, these are people that are informed about the candidates because if they're a Republican, hard, you know, 
hard line, I'm always going to vote with the Republican candidate, they would have voted for Rokita anyway. They're not just protest voters. Those are not protest voters. Those are people that read and said, Rokita sucks. Um, I'm a constitutional conservative. I'm going to vote for this libertarian. It was only 5%. But the difference between a general election and a primary is what's 5% in a general election is 22% in a primary race. Right. Um, so I've been reaching out to those groups, going to Tea Party events, reaching out to these like huge those lists. Those still of, exist? Yep. Tea Party still exist? Mm-hmm. Eight years later? Yep. What, so are the, what are those meetings like? Um, a lot of Obama hate. He's not uh, even okay. there anymore. So it's, it's he's a, been in office in two years, but it's yeah, Obama's yeah, fault. Yeah, it's Obama's fault. So why don't why don't I like why doesn't anybody approach me to go like go to these meetings? Is it because you have to be like forcefully involved? Like you have to like go out there and be like, hey, I want to be a part of this. I've had to force myself into meetings. The, the way the GOP structure will work, and this is how every, every major party works. Is if you look at how endorsements are done, like we'll, start, we'll take Indiana Farm Bureau. I, I slammed Indiana Farm Bureau for this because no farmer in my district wants a tariff. None. All my, all my other opponents are pro tariff, and I was anti tariff, but I didn't get the endorsement. The endorsement has to do with organizations, including the GOP, don't like to support and don't like to invite people that don't have at least $100,000 in their war chest because they, they consider you a loser if you don't have that money. Um, because you don't have the reach, you can't send out mailers, you can't do TV ads. Um, so they don't intentionally invite me. There's some counties that have invited me, and I've gone to those every chance I could, but there's some I had to like force myself in there. And that's just because they see me as um, a non-contender, because they, they don't look at your campaign page, they don't look who you're talking to, they, don't look at, they look at your FPC filing report. Mm-hmm. That's all they look at. How much money do you have? How much can you spend on our party? How much can you spend on other candidates when you go past the primary season? Which is what it's all about. Uh, you have to force yourself. Like you, they're not going to invite you. I mean, I've been invited to more stuff than I did as a libertarian candidate by far, but that makes sense as well because they don't want to. Organizations don't feel like they want to waste money on someone that doesn't raise money, mm-hmm. right? And that's just the sad thing about it. But what about like the average person? Is the average person going to those meetings that you're talking about, or is that no. all just like leaders? All right. When is the Lincoln Day dinner? Mm-hmm. And Lincoln Day Dinner is basically everybody that's like a precinct man, county chair, county secretary, county treasurer. The only people that attend those those meetings, Lincoln Day Dinners, they're not the average voter. They're, they're people that have been like in this party for like 20, 30 yeah. years. They've worked multiple candidates. It's basically candidates go there to talk to party captains to try to get their support so the party captains can give them money. And they can sit there and get mailing lists from the party captains from, like, all the, the nice little Republicans in the county, and they can send those out. It's basically a networking event for one Republican to bigger Republicans. It's also a phone tree, too. Yeah. Like you, you Sounds get, rough. It's a lot of work. It's it's To run for office is a tremendous amount of work. I mean, and you've been making a ton of phone calls, right? Um I don't use the Republican list. I use, like, a whole liberty list. There's libertarians on there. There's Tea Party. Like, I go— Voters that would vote in a Republican primary that aren't part of that party structure. So what my opponents really focus on is getting that party structure to get out and vote for them. So they've been fighting over these, like, you know, multiple county uh, captains. I've been going to, like, you know what, there's 90,000 people that vote in the Republican primary. There's not 90,000 people that go to, like, Republican county meetings. There's probably, like, 20 people per meeting, but they're trying to get those people. So I've just been reaching out beyond the pale to independent voters, Democrats that will vote in a Republican primary because that's what they'll do. Uh, Democrats don't care which candidate's on the Democratic ticket in CD4 because they'll vote for it in the general. But they actually go over to the Republican ballot 
and they sit there and look at the candidates, and they say, which candidate is the least sucky in case he wins? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of crossover. And if you're pulling those crossover votes, like my whole thing contends on if I can get those 11,000, 15,000 Liberty voters that voted for the Libertarian candidate, and I get all these Democratic crossovers and these independents, and I've been going to high schools, I've been going to uh, small events for like town council races, county council races, kind of talking to them, like throwing out minor endorsements here, like, oh yeah, I support this guy, you know, and then he posts about me on his page, like, yeah, I got support from James Neese, Congress. Um, I'm pulling those away. So if I can pull as many of these people away as I can, and they actually do show up to the poll, they don't just sleep on primary day, I have a better shot than most of the other candidates that aren't spending like $100,000. Uh, I can't get the GOP faithful. The GOP faithful, no, I'm not a Republican. Yeah. Um, so they can look at my voting history. They can look at my... Uh, they can't really use the attack ads at the Senate. Candidates. Well, he just voted a Democrat. You can't be like, well, he voted a Libertarian. It's like, that, that just means I'm more right than you are. <laughs> you know, it's like, they can't use that. Yeah. So, but what they can do is they can exclude me. So, if you exclude me, cool. I'll use my list. I'll get my data sets. So, it's really contingent on these people popping out and coming in and showing. But I go through the district, man. I don't see any yard signs from my opponent. Like, I see like maybe one or two in a town. Mm-hmm. There's No one's excited for this race. Right. Which makes it great. It's a seven-way race. And I think it helps with that the Senate race is such a shit show mm-hmm. that people... The, the Senate race here is mm-hmm. abysmal. I mean, the Republicans are going to get... Joe Donnelly won because they gave the seat away after Mordock beat Luger and then said God loves rape or something in a debate. Well, and so Joe Donnelly it's in the Bible. Right. And then Joe Donnelly won and now they're gonna do it again because their candidates are so crappy. They're they're fighting with the media like all the time, like WW they're fighting with them like every day. Every day they're yep. out there fighting with the media. I mean like Rob Kendall invited me on my show. Rob Kendall's been the nicest person at WIBC. I mean, I no other person invites me on. I will be doing Rob Kendall's show on Sunday. So if you're in the indie area and you catch it, tune into to Rob's show on Sunday. If I'll, I'll try and get a copy and put it in the Patreon feed. I'm in the works of trying to get him on our podcast as well. Oh, yeah, I'll put in the good word. Yeah, we yeah. talked talk through Facebook a little bit. Yeah, Rob's a good dude, and uh, he's he loves Trump. He good. loves Trump. I'd just like to hear it. I think that that's going to hurt a lot of candidates. Like, they think it's going to work. <laughs> and it's not okay even if you squeak by a primary doing that right if, you, sucking trump's dick basically is yeah. what you're saying it's even if one of these candidates in the senate especially the senator squeaks by in that primary about how hard i love trump they forget that there's still a ton of luger republicans there's still a ton of independents there's still tons of like moderates that just don't care for that dude they don't like and the polling around the country is abysmal his opinion his approval rating is in the dump so like Trying to out Trump each other by saying I love Trump in a primary is what what Republicans across the country are doing, and it's mystifying because it's going to come back and bite them hard. And so the, the gerrymandering has moved the like the 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 party so far to the edge that Bernie Sanders, you know, Barack Obama in two thousand eight was like desperate for people not. He's not a socialist. Stop calling him a socialist because it was such a bad thing. Now it's like, yeah, I'm a socialist and I own three houses. How much would it hurt you to just not mention Trump's name as opposed to like, I mean, I'm just confused by the... I don't think it hurts you at all. People think that Trump has coattails. Trump has zero coattails. So they're just mentioning for that sheer fact that... Because they're guessing. So the thing about campaigns is it's a lot of guessing. And so there is polling, and the more money you have, the more polling you can do and get internal polling and test messages and stuff like that. 
at the highest levels of the president, I mean, they do a ton of, they, they're polling every day, they're testing every day, they're testing messages, they're doing A-B testing on, on ads. But like once you get down to like a, a congressional race, they're not really doing much polling. They're they're guessing. They're throwing money at yard signs, hoping that it works and it doesn't. I mean, they're like it, it is a lot of guesswork. And so, if you have somebody who has been in the community and is involved, libertarians, listen to this. If you have somebody who has been coming to these type of meetings or the Kiwanis meeting or is a well-known charitable person and is well-connected in the community, they will win because they have that deeper roots, that, that networking. It's all about who you know. It's the same with this job interview as, as any other job interview. Uh, and so, but, but then these guys like Steve Braun and Mike Braun, who are brothers, Mike Braun's running for Senate, Steve Braun's running against James in District 4, these dudes just came in and they're rich, and so they dropped a ton of money on TV commercials to raise their name ID, and they're basically buying a Senate and House seat. It's like it's, Paul it, Rudd from uh, what's that TV show? Um, it's based in Indiana. Oh, Leslie Nope. Parks and Recreation. Yeah, yeah that's when I mean, Paul Rudd's on there. It may he's be, like the rich guy that just comes in and what, he's like, "Can't you just give me the election?" Exactly, and that's what happened with Trey Hollingsworth in the district in District Nine. He was from Tennessee. But District 9 was a winnable race, so he pretended that he lived in the district, and he won because he was able to buy the election through TV ads because you can propagandize so much that voters, especially boomers, just fall for it because people don't pay attention to it. Uh, you know, so – and then in your district, I think maybe it may, he may be on your ballot, Greg Pence, Mike Pence's brother. He, he He's not buying his way in, but he's doing – he's just – name. It's just his name. And so we don't have any kind of representative democracy. Like, we'd be better off, like, just holding a lottery. Like, you go and you buy a lottery ticket. I heard and then, you say that. Yeah, if you want to be a congressman, go buy a lottery ticket, and then we'll choose some random person. That would give us a much better Congress than probably what so, we have now. With, with Pence's race, it's interesting because he just has a two-way race. It's just him and Jonathan Lamb. Lamb's probably going to pull that off. Really? You think so? Mm-hmm. Well, that's because he talked to the Boss Hog of Liberty. Yeah, he did, an, he did an interview with our podcast, the Boss Hog of Liberty, yeah. last week. And, and so Jonathan Lamb, I think he's been on twice, he's going to pull it out because he got the Boss Hog bump. Yeah, but in, in my district, that's a seven-way race. That, that's a nightmare for right. them. That's, you have Diego, Steve, and Jim Baer. These are people that have worked in the Republican Party that have done stuff with like previous administrations that have hundreds of thousands of dollars to throw in an election. They're basically throwing attack ads through mailers arguing with each other, spending more money on ads, and they're splitting their base, which is the Republican faithful, three ways. Right. So when you start to do that and you get people out of like the independents, like, like there's a guy named Jared Thomas who's also running, like two other candidates to make it a seven-way race, um, that have a different message. They're, they're, we're not doing the whole Trump thing. We're not doing the whole um, spending money on this and tack ads things. So while they're fighting over this pool of Republican faithful voters – if there's more people that show up to the polls that are independents or not Republican faithful voters, it's really problematic for them because instead of like sweeping like, you know, in a two way race with like 30,000 votes compared to like 10,000 votes, you're going to be getting, they're going to be getting like 5,000, 6,000, 7,000. So whoever can rally a base to get to the primary, like the most is going to take this primary. It can, it can be me. It could be Guy Thomas. It could be someone that just dark horses their way entirely through there because Whoever can get people to the boat while these people are fighting, the, the main people are fighting, 
the big dogs are spending the money and they're fracturing that vote, you can just dark horse the way through that thing because that's the race that any congressional candidate hates when it's that crowded. If it's that crowded, you're, it's really problematic for them. That's why they're spending so much money. All right, so James, where can people follow you? your updates for um, Tuesday night? For, uh, where's the victory party? Oh, I'm probably going to get hammered at one of the local bars. <laughs> so um, That's the best way to do it. We really, you know what, I'm just thinking of this. We should, we should have a, a party or some sort of live watch thing with mm-hmm. Wall. Or so, we should do something Tuesday. Let's talk about that off air. Uh, so stay tuned to that. Uh, yeah, James is one of the smartest people that I know, and James is one of the hardest working candidates that I know. He's run every couple of years, and James puts in a tremendous amount of energy and effort. And you know, the shit posting aside, James is that uh, James is a very serious person, uh, and I think people don't often give him the the credit that he's due in terms of his intelligence and his work ethic, and uh, and what he would bring as a congressman. So. James Neeser, you're the first person in the history of We Are Libertarians to officially receive the We Are Libertarians endorsement. So did we get that last time? Uh, (laughs) We're making this important. Uh, So, so please stay tuned for Tuesday. We're very exciting. Want to wrap up? Read a listener letter uh, because I think it kind of goes with what we're talking about here. Uh, This guy's name is Patrick Stewart. Not even making that up. Uh, He wrote in last week, and he said, Just listen to the newest episode. Thanks for answering my question. My next question is, uh, what are some good books or resources that libertarians flock to? I listen to podcasts all day, so I follow and listen to probably almost every single one out there. But I align with you the most. That's why I'm asking you about books and resources. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, he listens to every podcast out there. Uh, I'm sorry. He, he, got a, he got a lot going on. Well, he meant every libertarian no, podcast. Yeah, I'm just he, kidding. Sorry, Patrick. Um, if you want to know Libertarian Podcast, I have a website called libertarianpodcast.com. The best place to find a lot of resources is wearelibertarians.com because in the menus and then also in the blog roll on the sidebar, I've got a ton of places that you can go and check out various books. I've got Ron Paul's lead, reading list up there. I've got a We Are Libertarians reading list. I've got uh, a, a links page. I've got a page about the libertarian movement that describes what goes on. I've got YouTube. I've got a ton of resources at our website that I don't talk enough about that you can check out. And and in the We Are Libertarians reading list, I've got a ton of books in there. Uh, let me just kind of look through here. The Libertarian Mind by David Bowes, I think, is a really good uh, assessment. So for a new liberty, if you want to go full anarchist by Murray Rothbard is the place to start there. And if you want to go like the... The, the next stage is like that meme with the woke with the mind shooting out, you know, like uh, Murray Rothbard's like totally woke. But then you want to take the next step towards, uh, you know, maybe more constitutional government. The Libertarian Mind by David Bowes is a good one. Um, Chimpanzee Politics by Franz DeWall is a book that uh, I've never really mentioned maybe a couple times, but it really talks a lot about what we talked about earlier about the nature of chimps and, and their politics it's called chimpanzee politics and it's um it's it's pretty funny how similar we are fools, I'm all in on that yeah fool's errand by scott horton up. about ending the war in afghanistan the tyranny of cliches jonah goldberg all three of his books are great uh we've talked about nothing to envy about north korea um healing our world by mary j ruart is pretty good economics in one lesson by hazlitt is a great text if you know nothing about economics check out uh, libert- uh, libertarianism and uh, economics in one lesson. Um, let's see. You want to get into podcasting platform? That's a good one. Good book. Uh, Rise of the Warrior Cops, really good. The Five Thousand Year Leap, 
by Cleon Skousen is good. Uh, so, yeah, any book that we've ever really talked about on the show or any book that I think might uh, be of interest to libertarians is in there. You know, everything from Starting Strength by Mark Ripito, who is a libertarian, but he's a strength coach. Uh, Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. Um, the Symposium by Plato. So it's it's got a lot on there uh, that you can go and check out. Uh, at wearelibertarians.com. It's at the very bottom of the blog roll, We Are Libertarians reading list. It's on Goodreads. You can follow me on Goodreads. I'm constantly updating all the stuff that I'm reading, the books that I buy and own. Almost everything's on my Goodreads account, so go check that out. Uh, so I want to thank the uh, the boys from Juice in the Morning. Uh, you guys, your, your eyes were getting a little glassy there at the end, so I was like, I got uh, no, to land this not. plane. No, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all in. We, we could have gone probably another hour and a half. I've all always right, let's do it. <laughs> I've always said that we should go longer on our show, and um, I don't know. I'm I'm all for it, and as it, long as a podcast goes, that's how long it goes. So what I've found is about ninety minutes. That's kind of the nature of a conversation, and and so if you've got you know if you have four people, it's like you add forty minutes per person that you add to a podcast almost. But right. if it's two or three people talking about a subject. Really, ninety minutes is kind of the the sweet spot. After about a couple hours, that's when people start to get fatigued. But, mm-hmm. like you know, we didn't intend to do a two and a half, three hour show last right. week. I thought it would be an hour, hour and a half. But you just you get into it and you start talking. And I just don't. I'm not good at self editing. I'm good at editing other people. Uh, you know. But like this was ninety minutes, and I feel like we talked a lot. And so yeah. And, like, I, and I'm extremely curious. So like. It, if I'm sitting here being very quiet, it's it's not because I'm not interested. It's cause, it's because I'm like I want to know more Same. about what the hell I like you guys te- are talking about. I like teasing you too because I feel like I can. Oh yeah, but so you I can. don't I don't want you to leave and think I'm a dick. I always I'm tell people kidding. I always tell people I'm the common denominator. I thought you were a dick when I got here. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. You're not alone. <laughs> You're not alone. Uh, if, James Neese. If you can give me shit, I can give you shit. Yeah. Uh, Juice in the Morning is the podcast. Find it anywhere that podcasts are sold. Juice in the AM on social media. Go download my uh, my couple podcasts with them. The last one was really, I thought, a good podcast uh, at Juice in the Morning. Uh, now, James Neese, mm-hmm. how can people get involved? Any last-minute donations? Any uh, Any comments of support? Where can people find you? Um, you can just find me on Facebook. That's the easiest way. I have a Twitter as well. You just Google my name, pops up. Um, I have a Discord and I have a Slack group that you again, you just Google my name. I love that you're using Discord to talk to the media. You're making the media talk to, yep. to you on Discord. Yep. They, they came to Discord to actually get interviews with me. So That's I forced them to use a new technology. That's good. Uh, but you can just Google me. A lot of how I've been doing this campaign is basically through mailing list calls and just events that kind of go throughout. If you have a major event in your city, I'm probably going to be there. Um, I, I feel like it's the best. there's a lot of people who do like the door knocking and stuff, but what I found is every city has a chatter group where it's like Plainfield <laughs> Chatter, Lebanon Chatter, Frankfurt right. Topics. The people that are in those groups are usually the people that are involved in their community. Like they want to know what's happening, what's happening downtown on Main Street, what's going on with the, the, the Arnies across the street. Those are the most likely to vote. Yeah. So when you go door to door to door to door, like some people just wear themselves out doing that, you're probably hitting like 80% of the houses those don't even vote. They don't. Yeah. The people in those groups, we talk about politics all the time. Like who are you voting for sheriff? Who are you voting for mayor? Those are the people that vote. So you can make your whole campaign as digital as you can and reach the people that you need to reach as opposed to being like, I knocked on 40,000 doors and probably only met like 200 actual voters. Yeah. And that, that's always been like 
when I did it in Indianapolis, the campaign in Indianapolis, I went door to door. You know, the only person that really voted was Brad Klopp. Right. It was like, it was like, well, are you going to vote for me? Yeah, I'll vote for you. I'm like, right. cool, I got Brad's vote. And that's the whole Irvington district. I did like tons of doors, my little pamphlets and door hangers. Only person I met that voted was Brad Klopp. Yep, yep. So, all right, final thoughts. Uh, I normally give final thoughts. I actually, I, I don't know why I did it the wrong way, but final thoughts for the episode. Anything that you think you might have missed or wanted to say? No, thanks for uh, making this dumb guy a little smarter. Ah, you're not dumb. <laughs> you're too pretty to be dumb. <laughs> I've heard. I've been told that before. So yeah, you, you, you're pretty, but you shaved your beard a little bit. I, I did. Yeah, he was getting real nice. I'm and not the, quite as homeless now. Yeah, no, it was. It, it wasn't homeless. It wasn't unkempt. Like mine gets kind of unkempt. Yeah, yours is like thick, so it sticks together. Yeah, I kind of so let it uh, grow a long ways. Yeah. It also helps with the cleanliness. But uh, yeah, I mean, I usually do that. I let it grow out and then cut it off. But yeah. I like uh. to, like I said, I like to think of being the common denominator because I want to associate with the people that listen, and I feel like they uh, they need a voice too. Yeah. So, and I hope we brought decent questions and yeah. you know, yeah, gave people that don't really know about libertarianism a, a good place to start and. To know that there are people out there that are curious and they're not the only ones that can sit down with someone like you and talk about it. Yeah, we're, definitely. We're going to push our, our people over this way. Yeah, so please think of some more questions and come back soon. Absolutely. So, sure. James, final thoughts? Um, I'm just waiting for primary things. Going to get hammered. Um, you know, play video games after this. Man, I hope Harry's online. Like, Harry got a job, so he hasn't been online all day. No, he's been <laughs> lamenting how much he misses you. <laughs> no, like, uh, you know... I'm about thinking about banning duck hunt, removing the whole group. Do it. Just eliminate it. It's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, there's, we have a Discord. We have a duck hunt, right? Where it's just, people just go in there, and instead of playing real games with the real people in the Discord, they sit in this goddamn duck hunt group, <laughs> typing shot, <laughs> trying to fight these ducks. I'm like, we are playing paladins. We are playing like, and now people are League getting mad. One of one person called me immature. <laughs> Like it's just it's it's ridiculous. Just because get rid of it. I'm the admin of that group now. <laughs> I'm so, so confused. Are you actually playing Duck Hunt, or it, are you just in like a? It's like a mud, you know, where it's just like you you type in a word and it says if you shot the duck or not. It's a like bot. A, a, a little thing will pop up, a text will pop up, and it'll say quack, and then you type bang, and then hope you, that you hit the duck, and hope that you. Is there visual? It. Confirmation, and then it'll go. It? No, it's de- it's text. It, it uh. and the text goes, "Hey, you got me." Or hey, ha ha, you miss me. Like, it, it, is, it is sickening, and I want to nuke that so bad. It, it's just it's like addicting as well. It, it got addicting, and now it's not. It's uh, not fun. <laughs> I don't like it. Get out. So we'll, we'll nuke it. We'll <laughs> get, get rid of it. Play, play real games. Like we'll have like a channel with like five of us in it. We'll be playing like an online game, and then you'll be like, hey, who else wants to play? And they'll, like they'll be quiet. Then they'll post like some autistic article from the Mises Institute. I'm like, listen here, you shit lord. <laughs> it's like. Are you going to play games? It's a Discord. It's a gaming channel. You're going to come here and play games. And they're like, well, then you see him like type in the duck hunt stuff all the time. And it's like, okay, now I see why that sometimes people rise to dictatorships and end up killing whole segments of population because of this shit right here. It's like these people, I could just, I'm admin of it. I can just come in one night when people are like, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get me a couple of ducks in the morning to wake up. Nazi salutes everywhere. <laughs> Speaking of killing whole populations, is it okay if I make a um, Avengers reference? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so this is a question for for you. I have not seen it. That's okay. I'm not going to really spoil anything. I, I okay. think you know that the main goal of um, 
uh, Thanos is to get all the Infinity Stones and have it on his gauntlet. Okay. And he basically has endless power. Okay. If you had endless power in a gauntlet, would you snap your fingers and kill all the baby boomers? <laughs> Man, that's tough because there are baby boomers I really like a lot, especially the ones that pay me. Yeah. Um, no, no, I wouldn't. No. Okay. Would you? Would I you value, just transport them to like a place that wouldn't bother you? I I do like the Elba do island. Anything, yeah. So. Let's maybe send them. Let's Napoleon them uh, <laughs> and make sure no ships reach the island. Oh, uh, no, baby boomers. Like, here's the thing. Uh, one of the books on that is a Generation of Sociopaths: How Baby Boomers Ruined America. Highly recommend. Bought it the day it came out. Um, I, like. I like teasing them. Like I don't really like I I don't I don't hate all boomers. I just think as a generic group, it's easier to stereotype them and it's a funny stereotype because the things they do are confused and old and weird and I know we'll be there someday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm but, already halfway there. But I made a meme, the, the the boomer meme. James's was a little more edgy than mine, but it's like Jer- like these boomers in Newcastle with the turkey and oh the and the doughboy. Like I don't want to move the statue, and they're protesting. They had professionally made signs, and it's just like they're arguing over moving a statue. It's do you like think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they don't have a lot going on, so they're yes. like, let's be mad about something. Yeah. yeah, I think I often think about this when I see somebody who's really old. I'm talking like ninety. And hobbling around the mire, you just think like, okay, there's all kinds of people. I'm, you know, all kinds of thirty year olds walking around, and there's many shades of thirty uh, of these people. Some are really just awful dicks, and and just like bad, gross, mean people. And then you like look at this ninety year old guy, and you go, I wonder if that guy was just one of those people, like one at of those, some point, di- yeah. at, like if he is like one of those dicks. More than likely, yes, because they usually live longer. Right, because we we revere old people, and we think all old people it's are like cute and pretty great. Skin colored shoes, right? Was <laughs> he a nice person? Right. You have super white hair, and you're super old. Like, oh, uh, they there's they must be sweet, but maybe they were not sweet. Maybe they were just a complete asshole. I also like to think about what their daily like. What does their day consist of? Right. Like, what are they just? I just. It sounds mean, but I just picture them kind of like moseying around, doing like pointless. My my grandpa sits around and hangs out at the nursing home with the other dudes. They bro down and have some lunch. And that's what the end of life should be, right? Yeah, Yeah. Ah, absolutely. What are you going to be doing? I'm I'm hoping that it's over before that for me. Yeah, I don't, I'm I'm with you. I don't have any desire to get old, like old, old, like I'm talking about like. So like you, you picture your future, you picture your, the, the end of your life. And I, I can't picture past not being able to like. Do everything yeah. I want to do. Right. Even be, not even being able to like in my head think about running. Right. And or doing a lot of other things similar <laughs> to that. <laughs> that that was given up a long time ago in this household. <laughs> running. Or like a fast walk. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> all right. I did one of those this week. Okay. That's what I'm just saying. Like at the McDonald's, when, it was raining. When your body stops like working, you know what I mean? Like when you're not right. able to do and I've already noticed as a 28-year-old that my body doesn't do the same things it did when you know as at, everybody. At you know. 34, no, it is interesting how your energy level changes. I mean, by and large, it's it's all pretty much the same, but your energy level changes. Your yeah, it's it is weird. Pl- plug they, they the super male. Plug the super male vitality. Listen, you need super male vitality. <laughs> Get you get yourself a tea booster. I never knew if you were being serious about that or not. I was, or is tea, we had it before. It's up there. It's there's still a little left if you want to take it. It's probably What's that rancid. thing that they're always plugging on ninety three one the beats super beats or something. 
Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, the super beat stuff. <laughs> like I've, I've tried that. It does concentrated beats. So it, I don't know if it's like just full of niacin or what, but it does kind of work. But the super male vitality didn't do anything. Yeah. It was completely it's I, like I, horny goat milk. I, I would what horny, horny goat, goat weed weed, yeah, weed I, whatever. Here's what I'd say: if I did a little super male vitality before a show, it would it did give you a small pick me up, and I didn't know if it was because of like sugar or what. Yeah, but you you didn't feel. Like, there wasn't really any effect. It was just a very minimal amount of, I feel a little hotter. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you ever tried, like, Alpha Brain or anything like that? No, I've tried Ascend uh, by Legion Athletics. Yeah, uh, It's a nootropic, and it, it, it you don't feel like, it's like a cumulative thing. Uh, I've heard the Alpha Brain is like you're just zoned in and like focused, and you yeah. do get a little bit. I of, tried it. It's it's. Whatever. I think another thing is like MCT oil has a, a like it really zones you in, and you right. feel like you're at least like you feel like you're firing on all cylinders, and that's just like concentrated concentrated coconut. Mm. You don't really need to concentrate. You just need to go on zinc supplements because we're on a bunch of zinc supplements. Like you can bust a nut like a porn star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that will boost your confidence so high. Like just imagine on the zinc supplements, boom, like an eight roper right in their face. It's like, <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Knocking her out. Yeah, uh, I'm going to no, ask you about that after the podcast. I definitely, like, if I, I take fish oil, and I know yeah. that when I run out and I, like, I'm, like, too cheap or too lazy to go buy it, right? I can actually, I can tell that I am thinking in a more, like, a, like a yeah. haze. Also, like it's how much of like, that is, like, placebo effect with all of these, not just Oh, fish no, oil, I but, completely, yeah. I completely agree that it could possibly be that, but I'm still going to keep taking it because it, it makes me feel better. I, I, yeah, I think when I don't take, so I take Legion Athletics vitamins, their multivitamin and the Ascend, and I really like those, and I feel a difference on them. Like, Centrum, like the Centrum vitamins, like they find at the bottom of porta potties because they just go right through you. They're they're dog crap. But like I've noticed that when I like the two past two winners have been changed by taking vitamin D, oh, yeah. and it, and it basically is from listening to um, Rhonda Patrick on Rogan. Oh yeah, you know twenty a uh, thousand IU's per twenty five pounds, and so I'm taking ten thousand IU's. Sometimes I'm taking twenty a day, and I feel a major difference in that. Vitamins do help. The fish oil with CoQ10 is really good. The first time I heard her on Joe Rogan's podcast was like early on when I found Joe Rogan. I had a notepad out. Yeah. I was writing down all these different <laughs> vitamins and like I've listened to some of them three times and you hear something every single time. Yeah, like, you, you see this right here. When when I was a kid, right, you you, you watched Dragon Ball Z, right? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I, okay, yeah, I dabbled. Like I I used to buy like a case of these, like twenty two cases of Coke, and I would down them in a night and like buy like. Coke 17, right? Super Saiyan. It's just like, you know, just <laughs> like, you know, it's like, this is my base form. You know, this is what you call Super Saiyan. And this is a Super Saiyan that became ascended beyond a Super Saiyan. And this is going further beyond kill the Coke. And I'm just like, yes, Rick. Relate it to, you know, when, uh, what's the dude from Mortal Kombat? Uh, not Scorpion, but the other mm-hmm. dude, the Freeze guy. Sub Zero. Sub Zero was sitting there making that. I thought ball you were thinking Liu Kang. No, <laughs> no, like, like seriously, chug like 180 ounces of soda, and like your energy will just be like punching. Like I'm immune to it now, you know. But like you could punch holes through. I'm walls. the same with uh, Starbucks. I'll go get like seven shots in my whatever, and then I'm just sitting there like, like feeling pretty good, but not in like a super healthy way. But I, I feel like that would probably be similar. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for being here. Appreciate thank it. You. Thanks, thank James. You. Best of luck to you on Tuesday. Uh, want, want to thank uh, Jason Doolittle, Craig DaCosta, Christy Avery, and Brandon Luke for being our $100 a month subscribers. You guys are awesome. 
the following people helped offset the costs. I got the full coverage of my trips to New Hampshire for Porkfest and to New Orleans for the LP convention. And I cannot thank you guys enough for uh, doing that because it was a great amount of stress <laughs> financially uh, and, and mentally uh, on how was I going to pay for that stuff. And you guys stepped up and, and helped me uh, tremendously, so I thank you. Jason Doolittle, Todd Singer, Christy Avery, Craig DaCosta, uh, and an anonymous donor. You guys are so great, and I appreciate it so much. Uh, and I think that's it. I never know how to end a show. How do you end your show? <laughs> Go ahead, Shane. He always just says, Shane, what's, what are we going out to? And then I always just say, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, and hopefully the juice is worth the squeeze. Boom. Got to come up with a catchphrase. No, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just <laughs> cut it right there. That's good. Right enough. on. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Libertarians. I'm amazed you made it to the very end, and I appreciate that. And that means that you were a true fan of We Are Libertarians, and any true fan of We Are Libertarians should listen to our other podcasts. We have a whole network of shows. We have The Chris Spangle Show, where I talk about many of my varied interests that aren't political, a lot of podcasting talk. If you're interested in getting involved in podcasting, The Brian Nichols Show. Brian talks to a lot of different folks from the left, the right, the center, libertarian movement. If you love We Are Libertarians, you will love The Brian Nichols Show. The Boss Hog of Liberty. The Boss Hog has basically created a media empire in his small town and has taken over along with his co-host Dakota Davis. I think it's really interesting to see how they've built a media network and I encourage you to do the same. Upward Political Training. It's a podcast where I've put a lot of training for libertarians on how to spread the message. The cost, this is a podcast where we break down the human costs of government policy, so be sure to check that out. Raw Audio Politics, where basically I take unedited speeches and interviews and stuff that I want to listen to, and I put it in a podcast feed for you. Miranda's World, Miranda is one of the craziest human beings in a good way that I've ever met. She's so entertaining and so much fun, and I think you will love that. And who could not listen to Tad Talk? Tad Western brings you the rootness tootness good time this side of the Mississippi. So be sure to check that out. He's one of the funniest human beings that I know. And if you are chubby and you need to get in shape, then you can't outrun the fork with Brett Bittner, where he talks about keto. Yes, I gave Brett Bittner a show. And you can check out a bunch of other podcasts at libertarianpodcasts.com. I have put together all of my favorite libertarian podcasts up there at libertarianpodcast.com, including our friends Lions of Liberty, The Lava Flow, The Johnny Rocket Launchpad, uh, The Scott Horton Show is one that I definitely think you should be listening to. So go check that out. Lots of great libertarian podcasts out there. You may not know where to start. Start there. And we've also got a comprehensive list of all the libertarian podcasts I can find. Thank you for listening. And if you love We Are Libertarians, please check out all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com. <laughs>